Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend Friday. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday from the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis, where it's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. With Brooke Grimsley and Danny, Dan McLaughlin, Danny Mack. I'm Randy Carricker. It's great to have you with us on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. How are we doing? Happy Friday. Doing well. Good win. Happy Friday. Yes. Good win last night. Oh. Jordan? Jordan Cairo. Oh, Jordan Goodwin, I thought you were. No, I'm not going there. I was going Jordan Cairo. <laughs> oh, okay. With the no. uh, hat trick. Jordan Cairo and Jordan Bennington. Jordan Bennington was Whoa. awesome last night. It was a Jordan Fest over at Enterprise Center. <laughs> it was. A, a team that uh, just within this week had the top record in the mm-hmm. National Hockey League, the yep. New York Rangers. Now we're in sixth place in the NHL. Oh, thank you in hockey. How are you doing, Randy? No one asked you. I'm doing just swell, Dan. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. Good. Good to be on the uh, the old YouTube on our Air Alliance Team Studio Cam. Uh, good to talk to you if you're tuned in on the Air Alliance Team Studio Cam. You can just go to YouTube and type in 101 ESPN STL. You can watch us. You can subscribe. We'd love to have you subscribe because that's the goal of the YouTube channel is to have more subscribers. I mean, let's be honest about this. It's not because we want you to see us. It's we want you to subscribe so they can sell it. So just so you know. <laughs> just be blunt about just it. Just being honest. Being honest, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all people can ask for, right? We, we we ask for that from our sports teams all the time. Support the sponsors. That's Matthew Rocchio, yeah. Uh, we're going to have Jay Delsing on the show here. We're going to talk to our friend Tim Convey from the Courtney Show. His brother hates me, uh, his brother Chris, but Tim's a good guy. Why does uh, he hate you? Uh, I have no idea. Oh, we'll, he's a scumbag? We'll ask, we'll ask Tim. Are you being serious? Oh, yeah. We walked down the hall and he glares at me. It's brutal. Oh, man. That's, yeah, it's Randy, I, Randy puts him in the wall. Chris Conley tries to put Randy yeah. in the wall oh, and fails spectacularly. It's fantastic. Dan. Yeah, we'll ask he's Tim about it. Well, because Tim is like salt of the earth. He's yeah, as oh, good as God, it gets. He's anyway, he's going to be the funny bone. Timmy is this awesome. weekend. Uh, Tim is a, is a funny man, and then Chris <laughs> is also on the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's also there. Yeah. Uh, then J- Jay Delsing is going to join us at seven thirty. We're going to talk to Joey V at eight fifteen, and Jeremy Rutherford talking some blue. Hockey coming up at 9.15. The Blues with an impressive victory last night over at Enterprise Center. 5-2 over the New York Rangers. And the Blues are getting some work, some great work out of some players. Well, we didn't get great work out of Jacob Verana, Jakub Verana, last night. But a guy who has now endeared himself. He's become a Blues favorite. Came up with a hat trick after Adam Fox. Norris Trophy winner? 
scored 151 into the game at the 402 mark. Jordan Cairo scored number 10. New York sets up center, had their men, and trying to get that puck into the middle to Trocek. They couldn't do it. Blues cleared out to Thomas. One on one in on Lindgren, carries wide. Buttons up, looks for the trailer. Cairo scores! He didn't waste any time. He caught it, shot it, scored it, and the Blues have tied it. 1 1, 402 into period number one. And then three minutes and 28 seconds later, something you don't see every day. Here's Cairo with some speed over the line to Thomas Far Wing. Butch Davis to Cairo. He scores! A backdoor tap in on a spectacular pass from Butch Navich. And Cairo has two. And the Blues lead two to one. It's a power play goal. A what? A power play goal. <laughs> goal that Not actually one, happened but two of them oh my two yeah. I thought, two of them yeah i thought it was really interesting i love listening to the post game show with chris kerber and joey who we're talking to mm-hmm. a little bit here and in a little bit and they had this little tidbit steve ott dropped this last night that was their first that one right there mm-hmm. was their first go-ahead power play goal of the year Prior to that, they were 0 for 23. So just think about that. That First of all, we've known how the power play has been this season, and we've talked about how key it is. You know how key it is to really mm-hmm. gain momentum in a game. But that was their first go-ahead power play goal of the season for them. And tomorrow night is the midpoint of the season. I was going to say that was game number 40 last night. <laughs> first time you've taken a lead with a power play goal, and you did it against the team that was second in penalty kill coming mm-hmm. into the game last night. So... They did switch some some things up. They proved to to work out, and your top line was awesome last night. And that second one you just played, the highlight there, was as pretty of a goal you're going to see in the na- uh, National Hockey League. Yeah. The pass by Buchnevich was mm-hmm. awesome. Joey V made the point during the broadcast that uh, Kairou was a man among boys last night. Dan mentioned the other power play goal, Brandon Saad, midway through the second to give the Blues a 3-1 lead. And then at 7-0-1 of the third. Pass going over on the far side of Lafreniere. Throws it down along the wing. Nice backhand feed. Tried to move it into the middle. Deflected by Truba to Jones on the near wing. Truba going in the middle of the ice with it. It's a breakaway. Kairou coming in for the hat trick. He shoots. He scores! Kairou's 10th, 11th, and 12th of the season. Butch Navich scoring an empty netter, his 13th of the year at the 1942 mark. And the Blues win it by a score of 5-2. They are now just two points out of the final wildcard spot in the NHL's Western Conference. Edmonton, Nashville, Seattle all with 45 points. The Blues with 43. Coach Drew Bannister, are you starting to see what you want to see out of Jordan Kairou? I think the consistency with, with Jordan has to be better, you know. Um, do I expect him that he's going to score three goals every night? No. Um, but I, I would expect him to be able to play a similar brand of hockey that we saw him here tonight, which was, you know, he was more responsible with the puck. Uh, you know, he was very responsible defensively. He was winning puck battles. Um, he was using his speed wide, which gives defenders difficulty. We saw that here tonight. So um, I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, it comes up to consistency. If he can put a, a consistent effort like that and have a detailed hockey game, the offense takes over for himself. Like it's, it becomes natural for him. 
Very well said by the coach. Where would the team be if the power play was de- uh, just decent, mm-hmm. decent this year? And where would they be if Jordan Cairo was kind of back to the form that he was a year ago? Mm-hmm. This time last year, he had 20 goals under Drew Bannister. Now, six goals, six assists, and he's plus six. He's played better. And the top line was awesome last night. They had 18 shots, 12 on goal. Cairo leading the way with eight shots. So, Brooke, if you're going to win, the power play has to be good for the Blues. There's three things that stood out last night. Cairo has got to be a good player, and Jordan Bennington has got to be Jordan Bennington, and he was spectacular last night. He was. I mean, your goaltender has to be the difference maker, especially if you want to get to the playoffs and at least have a good run in the playoffs. We were all here for that Stanley Cup run. What was the difference maker for the Blues? It Jordan, was Bennington. Jordan Bennington. Yeah. And if Jordan Bennington, if he looks like what he did last night, guys, I know that we hate bringing it up, but he looked like 2019 form Jordan Bennington last night. He was the difference maker. And of course, Jordan Cairo deserves a lot of credit as well. He could have had a couple more goals in that game. He was absolutely buzzing. And I agree with Drew Bannister. If we can see, nobody's expecting him to do that every single night, but on a more consistent basis out of him, mm-hmm. you would be having that conversation of, what what would this team look like, especially, too, with the power play? If it was at least middle of the pack, this is a really good and talented team, and you've been waiting for this. This is what was so frustrating early on the season is that the way that they would lose and even sometimes the way that they win didn't seem like they were reaching mm-hmm. their full potential. Blues and the Bruins tomorrow night, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. Baseball, the Cardinals are about a month away from starting spring training. The Cardinals' winter warm-up is this weekend over at Ballpark Village, and I think you can still get tickets by going to cardinals.com. Arbitration suggestions were entered and Tommy Edmond asked for 6.95 million. The Cardinals countered at 6.5 and John Denton, our buddy from MLB.com reports that that $450,000 difference will probably be settled in arbitration. What's the point? Now, Tommy Edmond's a a good guy. He's not going to hold a grudge, I don't think. I don't think he's going to be angry, but if you have a $450,000 difference and you're Major League Baseball and you've got these incredible revenues, why not split the difference at $225,000 so that you give him uh, $6.75 million? Why not $6.275 million? Well, and that's what's always concerning, right? Whenever you see that with arbitration, Dan, and as you know, and we've talked about with this, is that when you see that and you see those figures and there's a $450,000 difference, you just say to the organization, I'm sure fans are feeling this way, why not just pay it? Yeah. They already have basically shown the value that they see in Tommy Edmond. They're already naming him the center fielder going into the season. So why not just pay the difference? Or is this opening up the door for extension talks? Because there's another side of this as well. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought extension for sure. And the other part I thought about was that if this would go to arbitration, um, yeah, he's a good guy, Randy, but he's a human being. And you walk into those things and you hear why you don't deserve the money. And I remember talking to a player a few years ago and he came out of that meeting and he was pissed Mm -hmm. because they said, you're not this, you're not that, you're not this. And he said, I thought I did a, a pretty good job for you. And they're making their cases to why they should not pay you the money that you think that you're owed. And it's it's one of those things where it can be humbling and you realize, and this is what the player told me, he said, I was upset, but I also realized for the first time more than ever how much of a business 
this is. Mm-hmm. It is a business, and it can be cutthroat, and I just happen to be on the other side of the table. There is virtually no chance of Tommy Edmond being a Cardinal to start the 2026 season. When he'll be a free agent after 25, and Victor Harris the second will be here, and Victor Scott. Victor Scott, I yes. mean, yeah, Michael Harris, Victor Scott. Where did Vic, Vic Harris played second base for the Cardinals back in the 70s? <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, Victor Scott II will be up here playing center field. Uh, Tommy Edmond doesn't have enough power to be a corner outfielder. Brendan Donovan's already here as your second baseman. So Tommy Edmond's leaving. He's not going to be here. That would make sense. Yeah. I mean, if you start looking at the writing on the wall and Victor Scott II mm-hmm. is the player that you think he's going to be. Mm-hmm. And for most accounts, when you talk to people, uh, by most accounts, they, they tell you that he is a future major leaguer. He'll find a way on the field. He'll, his speed will not take a slump. And he's got a great, great acumen of running the bases and stealing bases, something that I think the Cardinals need to do more of going into this season. But... Neither here nor there, he would seem to be the future in the outfield. Yeah. And the other thing is, you got Newpart too. You know, yeah, Newpart is here. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. Jordan Walker's going to play a corner. So that would be kind of the writing on the wall for me, too. And even if Walker winds up moving to first as Goldie departs, you've got Davis coming up. That's right. That's another one. The left handed pop. What is the worst case and best case scenario with this case, with arbitration case with Tommy Edmond? That he has an amazing year. He su- supersedes. Everything he's done offensively so far in Major League Baseball, and you're able to trade him before he goes to free agency. I think he could maybe run it all the way through just to make sure that Victor Scott is the player that you hope mm-hmm. he is. I mean, that's that gives you a little cushion, at least going into next year. And then if you figure out if you want to extend him, then you do if Victor Scott is not the player that you think he can be. Well, I don't worry about that because the Cardinals are so good at evaluating their young players. So I don't really concern myself with that. Here we go. <laughs> there, Here we, we need go. a sarcasm detector that oh. goes off. It's about every other minute with Randall. Uh, It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, uh, if you could pick a free agent, who would you pick? And our buddy Tim Convey from Next Door is coming over. He's at the Funny Bone this weekend, and he is going to tell us something funny next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Drive 101 ESPN. All right, we're taking a logical approach here and looking at the remaining free agents that are on the board and uh, thinking about what we would like the Cardinals to do. And we're being realistic because we don't believe the Cardinals are going to go out and sign Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery. That's just not going to happen. So we're taking a more pragmatic viewpoint of within the perceived confines of what we think the Cardinals would want and need. Uh, what would we like to see them do in free agency? Dan, who would you like to see them sign that's still out there? Well, there's a few, and I'm going bullpen guys, but Robert Stevenson is an interesting look at what can happen in the middle of a season and a, a player that, or in this case, a reliever that just gets better. He went from the Pirates to the Rays. Nobody really noticed about anything that was going on. It was just an under-the-radar trade, and there's the Rays again. They got him to throw a cutter. He threw it 316 times. And the results, a 60% whiff rate, and opponents hit just 101 against him. He had 77 strikeouts and 52 and a third. And to me, the Cardinals need a lot of swing and miss and get more swing and miss out of their bullpen. So that would be one. And I know that, Brooke, you're looking at Phil Maton as a guy that you like, too. 
Yeah, Phil Maton is the one that I think that just makes sense for the Cardinals in a lot of different ways, especially financially, because you brought it up yesterday, Dan. I would love to have Josh Hader with the Cardinals. It makes a lot of sense, but I think we're all aware that he is in a different price budget bucket, I guess is the best way to put that. He's in a different bucket than what the Cardinals are looking at. Even in that step down, you could maybe put a Jordan Hicks in there. I think that that's out of their price range. Phil Maton is somebody who makes sense because I think he's in that $5 million-ish and below uh, price range for the Cardinals. And for him... He just fits into what I think that the Cardinals need bullpen-wise. I think they need another arm. He had a three ERA last season, pitch a little over 60 innings, and it just makes a lot of sense. Now, he hasn't been a closer or hasn't been used as a closer much in his career. He only has two saves to his name, but he's still very familiar with high-leverage situations, which is something that I think that you could still use in your bullpen moving forward. And he's 30 years old, so I just think that he fits into the Cardinals and what they're looking for. The other thing that Maton does, he takes the ball. He's mm-hmm. kind of like Chris yes. Stratton. He's one of 10 pitchers to work 200 or more games in the past three years. Yeah. So you're getting a workout, uh, workhorse out of that bullpen. Another guy, and I think the, the Cardinals, in addition to talent, need some personalities on this team. And one of the things down in the bullpen is uh, all the good Cardinal teams have interesting personalities down in the bullpen. And a guy that's out there and that's pitching well again is John Brebbia. And he would be a perfect fit. He gave the Giants games last year, 40 games. He had struck out 47 and 38 and a third to a 3.99 ERA when they needed to start him in an opener game. He was able to do that. We know the guy. He's a known commodity for the Cardinals. And I think Brebbia coming back here would be a great fit. And when guys come back, they usually are good people. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they leave a nice impression, and he left a great impression. So I'm with you. It makes some sense to bring him back. I like John Brebbia a lot. His personality is so funny. I don't know if you guys remember during one of the spring trainings, but he created Burdentine's Day and he went out to some of the fans outside of the training center and was handing out roses and telling everybody it was Burdentine's Day because it was Valentine's Day mm-hmm. and that's where it lands, spring training typically during the year. He is so funny, so easy to get along with, great media-wise, but it makes a lot of sense too because what has been the theme for the Cardinals this offseason is one, getting that veteran presence, guys with some of that personality that can help in the clubhouse, and also some guys who are familiar with the organization. Hector Neris, mm-hmm. another one I'll throw at you, one seven one ERA and 71 appearances. And I'm going to go back to the bullpen with 41 leads lost. They blew 28 saves. Mm-hmm. You know, if you win, say, half of those games, you're, you're, you're talking about potentially making a wild card. I mean, the last four full seasons, the central champion has averaged like 92 wins. And since mm-hmm. it expanded to three wild card teams, the six wild card qualifiers have averaged 89. So it, it would yeah. put you right on the cusp of having a chance to get into postseason play. I think I'd also like to see the Cardinals have a little bit more oomph in the backup infield department. Jose Fermin and Buddy Kennedy right now would battle it out for that backup infield spot. Jared Young will also be in camp. I think that's one thing that the Cardinals need to have is a, a more veteran, versatile presence on the bench. I know that they're kind of uh, they're reluctant to sign those veteran players to be on the bench, but I think it's something they could really use. That was the first thing I noticed with the non-roster invites that the Cardinals put out there for spring training is the middle infield depth moving forward but also i noticed tink hints tink hints i'm very excited to see what he looks like during spring training and how he can emerge for the cardinals moving forward love tink hints eventually he's going to be here yeah he is and so is our comedian Tim Convey, who is yeah. uh, he's, oh, he's on the court and show next door, and he's uh, 
How are you, sir? Good I'm to see you. Fantastic. How are you guys? Good. It's thanks, good to see thanks you. Thanks for coming over. So Tim is on the uh, on the show down the hall with Courtney and Chris Convy and, and Brando. <laughs> Sorry. Is, is Chris even in? Like, is these <laughs> He's days, taking a week off, Randy. <laughs> he bailed on you guys. Okay. He Yeah, he kind of comes in. He comes and goes. He comes when he wants. Randy and my brother, Dan, do not get along. Oh, we, we discussed this. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure I heard, heard all about I'm it. Sure yeah. you've heard about it. Is yeah. there a backstory to this? Because I, I didn't realize how deep this ran. The origin is before I even worked here so is it really true they don't get along or is it are we being facetious here i suspect that deep down they have a, a, a respect for each other but uh they very publicly in the hallway often you will hear them exchange uh barbs unpleasantries yes and it makes other people around the office uncomfortable yeah i'm uncomfortable now yeah i know because you know? nobody dislikes so, no. he's a lovable character my brother early on is like it's gonna be my thing i'm gonna be the guy that doesn't like character he's, he's, wow he's kind of like west mantooth <laughs> it's uh, Chris is. It's you think uh, so? I'm Ron Burgundy and he's West Man. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. So uh, I'm Tim, a Randy fan though, yeah. obviously. Tim is going to be at the Funny Bone at Westport this weekend. Looking forward to that. And that actually, you, you did a, a show last night, right? Kicked it off last night. It was fantastic. We got special guests, surprises. There's a little bit of music I'm doing this time uh, for the first time ever. And then yeah, we got two shows tonight, two shows tomorrow, and then one on Sunday, Monday holiday for a lot of people. So mm-hmm. Sunday should be a good time too. And you are. Uh, an accomplished musician. How difficult is it to incorporate music into a comedy act? Uh, I don't know, man. Because there's one guy that who who's that guy? Bo that, Burnham, Adam Sandler. I was going to say Bo Burnham. Bo, they 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 both yeah. do yeah. it didn't do it well. I m- mine is maybe a little bit closer to what Sandler does. It's like these really short, kind of very silly ideas. Uh-huh. I got to see Sandler when he was at the uh, at the Enterprise Center, so it's it's maybe a little bit closer to that. But it's a weird thing to come from. You know, I. Played in a band full time for yeah. ten years. That was my that was my job. And so I, when I started comedy, I was like, I can't see me ever doing it. And then finally, I was like, I got to try. It. The difference here, though, is I had to play keyboards in that band, which is famously not very cool. I play guitar when I do my comedy uh-huh. shows, so it is very empowering. It is a dream come true to hold that guitar and not look, you know, like a secretary on stage, which is typically what you do. You can when pull you it off, right? Bo Burnham, Bo Burnham, he uses the keyboard sometimes during his sets. He does, but he's not cool, right? Yeah, he can be, be funny He's a, No, he's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. He's hilarious, but he's like yeah. nerdy. Nerdy, but that's whatever. his shtick. I want to yeah. be cool, so I, I bought this guitar that I have just <laughs> no business playing whatsoever, and it's I'm living out of fantasy up there, but I promise you, it's funny. Do you have like a theme for the shows that you start with one thing and it kind of just leads into the other and that's the theme for the whole show? Uh, no, I mean, it's just, it's, it's my life. It's, it's, uh, my family. I look at it like this, you know, people will talk about politics or whatever else, like, everybody's writing those jokes. I have a monopoly on jokes about my dad, which people seem <laughs> to enjoy. Like. Yeah, so it's good. a lot of my family, the way I grew up, certainly uh, the, the the my music time and then transitioning into comedy, stuff like that. Is your father yeah. still with us? He is, yes. Okay, so he's seen the show? He Yeah, he, he came last night. And actually. how does he take it? He loves it. Sometimes I'm like, and he is the butt of a lot of these things. Like, he's not always the champion in the stories that I tell, and some of them are mm-hmm. certainly a little bit exaggerated. He does. He brought a bunch of like work friends last night, like twenty people, and I was like, "Do you want me to do the?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, just do it. Yeah. Just go That's for awesome. it." Do you have to have that conversation with family members of, "Hey, this situation, I'm going to use this in my show." Yeah, well, I have to do some editing when I go. My my wife and her family they're from Chicago, so when I go to Chicago, I edit quite a bit because there's uh-huh. just some things I don't need to be sharing with with. Her parents, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, other than that, my my parents are cool. My sibling, my siblings, they'll deal with it regardless. Uh, but now I have my 
uh, I have a son who turns two next month, and is he is able? I have to kind of be uh-huh. careful because you can just talk like, "Ah, we got this baby," but as he becomes a real person, I got to kind of navigate a little bit. One of the many friends of the Courtney show is Nikki Glazer, and I can't imagine her parents going to her shows. And she's talked about that, right, Randy? I so if you're not familiar with Nikki, she talks about every. I mean, it is, she can be filthy. She's one mm-hmm. of the absolute best comedians out there, and she's the reason I started comedy. Actually, really, Nikki. Oh, that's cool, but. I have sat next to her parents when at a Nikki Glazer show, and there's you can't you can't enjoy yourself because <laughs> they're so used to it now. They're they're so cool about it, but it is insane. I worked on her TV show. She did a TV uh-huh. show for Comedy Central, and one of the first episodes, we hooked her parents up to a lie detector, and she would ask them all kinds of questions that nobody wants to know about their parents. <laughs> I won't go into detail on this show, but uh, it was phenomenal. So yeah, they're they're good sports. So that's that's the thing I was remind my parents of it's because they're friends with Nikki's mm-hmm. parents. I'm like, you guys might think it's bad. It's nothing compared to what Nikki's parents have to deal with. <laughs> so how did Nikki get you into comedy? Uh, when I was living in New York, I met Nikki, and who I won't incorporate my brother in the story because I know how Randy no, feels. Yeah, that's that's fine. Oh, yeah, you got to avoid him. They started dating when we were all living in New York. <laughs> I was still in the music business. I would come home. I was dating a girl. I would come home, uh, hang out with them, and tell stories about this ridiculous girlfriend I had at the time and Nikki's like you have to do you have to do stand up these are these are stand up bits I would just come home and complain about this girl and she's like you have to do stand up so she pushed me and pushed me and then one day I'm like alright I'll just I'll try it and it was at the Westport Funny Bone it was uh-huh. my first time and uh, yeah ten almost 10 years later I'm still I'm still doing it and you're you're great at it. And you're uh, in addition to doing the Courtney show and doing the comedy and doing the music, you're you're kind of a renaissance man because you're a huge sports fan too. I do love sports. I'm bad at sports, uh-huh. but I love sports. I was talking about my son being two, and we're hoping he takes after his mom, like ath- athletically, <laughs> that he gets into stuff. But yeah, I do. I do love sports. People are like, you know, I didn't. I waited till my forties to have a kid, and people are like, "Oh, you're old. Like, who's who's going to throw? Who's going to teach him to throw a spiral?" I'm like, I wasn't teaching anybody to throw a spiral at twenty five years old. It doesn't matter. This isn't an age thing. It's going to be all right. So uh, we got shows tonight at seven thirty and at nine thirty, and then tomorrow seven o'clock and nine thirty, and then Sunday at seven o'clock too. And it's. Uh, Tim mentioned on Monday, most of us, not us, but most people are off, so you can go to the 7 seven o'clock show on Sunday night as well. Just go to St. Louis Funny Bone, Google St. Louis Funny Bone, and get tickets to see the very funny Tim Convy. Thank you, sir. Thanks for stopping Thank by. Thank you guys so much, Thank Dan. You. Great to meet you. I appreciate yeah, it, guys. Have a you. great day. You're the man. Appreciate it. Tim Convy with us on the opening drive. Coming up, we're going to talk some golf with Jay Delsing. He's coming your way on the opening drive. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. As he does every Friday, Jay Delsing joins us on the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. Of course, you can hear Jay and Dan Sunday mornings talking golf here on 101 ESPN. Uh, Jay, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Good morning. How are you? We're doing great. Hey, I got to ask you about your game. You had an illustrious PGA Tour career. Rory McIlroy leads the tournament halfway through, through despite a quadruple bogey. Did you ever have a quadruple bogey in a good round? Um, Did you ever have I, a quadruple I remember bogey? I was. I've had lots of quadruple bogeys. For sure. <laughs> I remember. I remember playing in the um, the Players Championship, and I made a quadruple bogey on my fourth hole, and I wound up shooting one under par that round, which was, you know, pretty good. And I and I wound up playing the thirteenth hole, four like five over par for the tournament, and wind up finishing about ninth or 10th in the, in the event. If I had made a couple parts, it would have been an entirely different outcome. So not that I'm over that. You know, that was 30 years ago, and I can still remember it. Yeah, you never think about it ever, Jay. Well, I wanted to ask no, about... From, <laughs> from what I understand, you are very close to Gary Woodland, and I wanted to ask you about his incredible return to the PGA Tour after a comeback from a brain surgery that he went through this past September. How incredible is his journey back for him? Yeah, Brooke, I got to see Gary. Uh, Gary's a great guy. He's from um, Wichita, I think. Wichita, Topeka. Anyway, he's a Kansas boy, and he's a, just a great Midwestern guy. And I got to see him uh, in the middle of December down in um, when I went to Florida. And um, uh, he looks just great. So he had a brain tumor, for the folks that don't know. He had a brain tumor. Uh, it was non-malignant, but he it was causing him some seizures and some really odd uh, happening for a young guy. I mean, he, he's a U.S. Open champ and pretty much in the prime of his career and started having seizures, seizures and passing out, so just some really odd things. And so he was extremely, uh, as you would with, with a brain surgery, was extremely afraid of, first of all, dying, he said, and then, you know, second of all, just would, would he ever be able to play golf again? And so for him to come all the way back and to, I was texting him last night. He he he, he shot three over on the front nine and then finished with uh, two under on his back nine, which was the front nine at Wiley. And so he's uh, with a good round today. If he could make the cut and get four, you know, rounds under his belt uh, right off the hop at the beginning of the year would be great. But Gary, he's just one of those guys that you really really root for. Everybody likes him. He's He's just super solid, kind of, as Randy described, uh, salt of the earth kind of guy. Jay, what would you think of Tiger and Nike calling it quits after nearly 30 years? They parted ways, and that kind of sent shockwaves through the golf world. It's a head-scratcher, D. I mean, I just don't – I just don't uh, – I, I just it, it just made me reminisce, and I started looking up some of the old commercials. I don't know if you guys remember any of the 
Golf is not hard commercials with Tiger Woods. They were really, really well done. Uh, the juggling, the the whole, I think in 2005, the ball sitting on the edge of the back of the cup at 16 at, at Augusta for seemingly, you know, minutes and then falling in. I, I just don't, I, do, I just don't get it. And guys, what I think is probably, I don't know the terms of Rory's contract. I think Kepka's still wearing it and Scheffler, but I would be surprised that when those contracts run out that if, if Nike just doesn't bow out of golf completely, you know, they market stuff. They don't really like to make things. And, and they bought their way into golf and credibility with Tiger. I mean, paying him $40 million coming out of Stanford before I ever hit a single shot as a pro turned out to be one of the most genius marketing moves in, in all of sports. So I'm really curious, Danny, on the flip side, what's Tiger going to be wearing when he shows up at his, I think his first tournament's going to be the Genesis out at Riviera. What's he going to be wearing? He's going to have his own brand. That's, I, don't know. I was thinking he's going to go with his own brand. I don't know if you guys agree with that, yeah. but his his obviously his name and his brand is so big he could just break away, and all of a sudden you got the Tiger brand. Maybe he'll just have something like from the Aces on the Live Tour. Maybe so. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, no. Uh, well, you know what's interesting? Do you guys ever have your own brand? No, no, sir. Here's an interesting thing, Jay, is with Nike, and I give them credit. They've stuck with him through a lot. But over the last 13 years, they they can't have, because he barely played, relatively speaking, there can't have been a great return on investment over the last 13 years. To me, whether Tiger played or not, over the last 13 years, he would have sold the same amount of stuff, right? I think so, Randy. I think it's because he, you know, as Roger Maltby described, he doesn't move the needle. He is our needle. And, and so just him doing anything brought them. I, I, I guess it all comes down to sales and what their sales look like. And I'd be surprised if any of the Tiger stuff, the sales tipped, even with him being injured and not playing as much. Uh, Jay, I know you guys have Rocky Sickman on the show, uh, and we're going to hear from Rocky in just a second. But, uh, I, I got to tell you this story. It happened yesterday on Pablo Torre's uh, broadcast, his podcast, and he had J.J. Reddick from ESPN on. And J.J. is revered for his basketball intelligence. And when Ime Udoka was fired, they hired Joe Mazzula as their new head coach. And as J.J. Reddick tells the story, he said, we're at Pinehurst, we're on the 11th hole, and I've been talking for two and a half hours. I'm asking questions. What type of role am I going to have? What would I be responsible? Where, where can I help the most? I'm getting a feel for him. And the... Assistant GM asked me, do I have any more golf trips planned this fall? He stopped dead in his tracks, and he said, yeah, I'm going to play Pinehurst. So he bailed on an interview to coach with the Celtics so that he could play Pinehurst and get that tee time in. Wow. <laughs> That's strong. Yeah. Now, Pine Valley, I'm sorry. I, I not Pine, Pine Valley, not Pinehurst. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. That's even better. I mean, Pine, Pine Valley is a gem, and he's probably not going to get invited back. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But Pine Valley is one of the the true, probably in the top five hardest golf course invites to get in the world. It's 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 unbelievable. It's outside of Philadelphia, guys, and you're driving to Pine to to um, Pine Valley, and you actually have to go through an old, probably forty year old amusement park and cross these railroad tracks. You're like, I'm going to Pine Valley, and there's a Ferris wheel right here, and some dilapidated roller coaster, and then all of a sudden. Magic just happens. You drive through the gates, and it's like golf heaven. 
Well, we have Rocky Sickman on the show this weekend, truly an American hero. And here's something that he talked about with us, uh, and it's coming up this Sunday. Every morning I wake up, I think of those eight individuals, and this is where it comes back to folds of honor, eight individuals that never again would have the opportunity to enjoy the life uh, with their, their sons, their daughters. Take your daughter to the father-daughter dance, um, walk them down the aisle, hold their grandchildren. Those, those eight individuals would never again be able to do that. And so this is where I, I think of them every morning. I, I support uh, folds of honor, and that's my therapeutic piece. And Rocky was held hostage for 444 days. He's talking about eight soldiers that tried to uh, rescue him and perished in that. And he is truly an American hero, Jay, and it's a great, great story. And I hope people listen this weekend. Oh, my gosh, Danny. And and Randy, he talked a lot about you and your support uh, for for the Folds Tournament and how many times you've you've supported them over there. And and guys, the, the coolest thing about this story is how it blends into the game of golf and how they use golf to raise money for, for the, the fallen and Rocky's guys, Rocky sat in the studio and talked about this captivity and talked about what was actually happening to him. And I'm looking over at Danny and I'm like, how do you survive something like that? I mean, he's, it's, it's, the story is incredible. And if you have never heard it, even if you have heard it, it's really worth listening to And the folds of honor. They, they did 51,000 scholarships last year, you guys, mm-hmm. for the children of our fallen uh, men and women or the, or the seriously injured um, heroes who come back from battle. And it's, it's just a phenomenal cause. Yeah. It's a complete uh, American hero. Rocky Sickman is, and that'll be a great show Sunday morning, eight to 10 here on 101 ESPN. Jay, have a great weekend. Stay warm, brother. You guys as well. It's going to be cold. Yep. (laughs) Take care. Jay Delsing with us on 101 ESPN. We should note that Gerard Mayo has been hired as the new head coach of the New England Patriots. So what this tells me, guys, is that because even if you hire somebody from within, even if that somebody happens to be a minority, you still have to uh, interview at least two minorities if you're hiring from within. What this tells me is that Bill Belichick was out early in the week. Oh, that they've been thinking about this. That for... they've known that he was yeah. gone yes. because they would have had to interview at least one person from the outside and then one other person who would have been Gerard Mayo. Help me with this, Randy and, and Brooke. I mean, I, I had heard, though, there were some reports that Gerard Mayo had it in his contract that if there was a change with the head coach, that he would be the coach. So essentially coach in waiting. Would that make a difference if it's in season or off season, though, with that contract? You still have to do the interviews per the Rooney rule. Okay. And maybe the, maybe Kraft is just ready to get... Uh, get fined for this, but uh, they did not, at least, and Adam Schefter will get all the information, but at least at first blush, it wouldn't appear as if they would have had enough time to abide by the Rooney rule. No. And I, like I said, I've been thinking that Vrabel would be the guy who would be the next head coach. So Mm -hmm. this is surprising to me, but then it still makes sense because it's somebody who still knows. And that's what I said about Vrabel yesterday, who still knows the Patriots and getting back to their Patriots way. Yeah, and one of the things they need to do is kind of move forward. Mm-hmm. The, the Patriots' way isn't working, so they, they need to move forward. That's what we were saying, though, as Brooks said yesterday. Do you, do you just make a clean break? But I don't know if you can do that when you've had nine Super Bowl appearances yes. and you win six of them and you say, eh, that, that way was pretty good for a couple of decades. It just hasn't been recently, and we need to get that back on track. Yeah, that well, 
do they have a wide receiver on their team? It's a it's a passing league. Do they have a wide receiver? Do they have a pass catcher on their team? Do they have a QB? Yeah. Do, do they have anybody on offense <laughs> right. that scares those are, those are a lot you? No, of, uh, not right now. There. Yeah. <laughs> so they they need to change the Patriot way. It needs to get better. Coming up next year, Matthew's trying to think of somebody that scares you on their on their offense. There I can't. I got. I mean, the guy calling the plays. Yeah, no. But I'm, that's if I'm a Patriots fan. Yeah, exactly. We've got Take It or Leave It coming up. Send in your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. To you only next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. ESPN. It's time for Take It or Leave It. I want to say something. I'm put it out there. You can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text in test 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Text in now to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646 Yo ho! Thank you, Dan. Oh, I heard something yeah, from Dan. There you go. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm getting into it. Uh, guys, <laughs> our own Bradley Beal with 37 points and six boards for the Suns last night as they thrashed the Lakers 127 to 109. The Lakers have been horrible since they won the NBA's in-season tournament. As a matter of fact, right now they're 10th in the Western Conference. Take it or leave it. As it turns out, raising that in-tournament season banner was a good thing for the Lakers because that's all they're going to do this year. Oh. Why would you raise an in-season banner? I, I, I still am trying that. to figure that out. Why would you do that? It's kind of like raising the uh, regular season Western Conference champs or something. Yeah, and they I, put I guess right maybe a some president's trophy would work. Mm-hmm. I, I'm okay with a president's trophy banner, but an in-season banner? And it was Come the place on. they put it, too. They, it's, it's stacked. They have six small banners now. And the other five small banners are the Minneapolis Lakers NBA championships. And now it's right there level with those championships, the in-season tournament. I thought that was an embarrassment. I'm glad they're losing. It would just be like, I think, of last year with the Cardinals. Remember spring training? They were the Grapefruit League champs, right? If mm-hmm. they raised a banner mm-hmm. for that, which I know obviously you don't have those at Bush Stadium. But it would be like putting something, a trophy out there for that. It just doesn't make sense because it doesn't. you haven't accomplished fully anything yet. No, you've done nothing. And okay. oh, by the way, Bradley Beal's best game in Phoenix so far. He was really good last night. Okay, take it or leave it. Quinn Ewers, the QB for Texas, new SEC team, mm-hmm. has decided to come back for another season, despite the fact that they're going to be missing many of their weapons that they had offensively. This also means that Arch Manning, who was the number one prospect in football a couple years ago, potentially sits for another year. So take it or leave it. Ewers eventually backs up Arch and will drop his NFL stock to the second day of the NFL draft next year. So he winds up being the backup to Arch Manning. I'm going to take it because I just can't believe that they're going to let Arch Manning continue to sit back there. They spent so remember how much money that they spent just on recruiting him. Wasn't it over 250,000 when they were trying to get him to come to Texas mm-hmm. and Recently, they let Arch Manning actually speak for the first time. I think they're getting him ready for that role. NIL, he was making more than Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I mean, he's making a ton of money. I'm going to leave it. I think yours is going to be the starter, and I think after spring ball, Arch Manning is going to transfer to LSU. How about uh, Ole Miss? 
Mm. They've still got Jackson Dart for next year, though. They do. That's true. So you're going to sit another year. It's not worth it. Right. You stay in Texas. Yeah. LSU Although, still has not. They don't have anybody that's a clear favorite to replace Jaden Daniels. I think about, too, with the fact that you look at Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to Justin Love mm-hmm. and just relate it to college, and he sits for a year. He can redshirt, and all of a sudden he's got four years of eligibility coming and all of a sudden he's the the man there and can get better and better and better because he had to see the chance to sit and watch yeah it's it's interesting it'll be interesting to see how it plays out take it or leave it guys maybe mizzou's fans biggest fear could be coming true football scoop has a report out that eli drinkwitz is one of the candidates for the alabama head coaching job take it or leave it he actually is a candidate for that i'll take that he's a candidate but i'm gonna say that he's a peripheral one i don't know how if you're alabama you take a guy that has one winning season in power five and say okay this is our new head coach granted it was a great season but if you could get mike norvell how do you not take mike norvell well, he's got issues with NIL, Randy. Well, I would kick the tires on Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. I, I really would. I, I'd kick the tires if I'm Alabama on Urban Meyer and just say, do you think you can get up to speed on NIL? You okay with the transfer portal? <laughs> he was doing NIL before NIL was legal. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's go. Let's, let's win some national championships. And I think it would soften the blow from an Alabama's fans perspective i don't know if you guys agree with that but i I think it would soften the blow you say you know um i'm okay with this you know urban meyer's my guy and i love nick saban but you know this guy's got two national or national championships at two different places he can win here at alabama Mm -hmm. unquestionably and i don't care what he did in jacksonville i think that'd be really interesting now kaylin DeBoer is 104 and 12 as a college head coach, the Washington head coach. And he's going to have a lot more resources at Alabama than Washington. And he's listed as one of the favorites as well. I, I would be, I, I'm sure that Eli's name, well, heck, it already has come up, but I don't think it'll ever be at the top of the list. DeBoer, Norvell, and their offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, former Notre Dame quarterback and offensive coordinator, are the three favorites, apparently. And Dan Lanning, he put he's, out that he, video yeah, where he going. said he's staying. So, But you know, we, we've seen with Mizzou that just because you put out a video saying you're staying That's doesn't true. necessarily mean you're staying. Yeah. So he, he, you said he's on the peripheral, and I agree with you with Eli. The one thing that I would look at if I'm Alabama or any potential place that he would go is just how well he navigates the portal and mm-hmm. how well he is using NIL. And how well he recruits. Those are the things. Get players, and he can do that. He's Mm -hmm. showing that at Mizzou. Imagine if he had the platform of Alabama or some of the other schools that are considered a little bit above Mizzou. Not for long, maybe, but right now, I mean, it's Alabama, for God's sakes. And one of the advantages that Eli has in regards to making Mizzou an NIL monster right now is that he's got... A former Mizzou player, Curtis Gregory, who's in the Missouri legislature, who's introducing a lot of this legislation that's allowing Missouri to provide NIL advantages that other schools don't have. They're ahead of the game. They are. They are. It's a difference maker for them. Yeah, it's absolutely. massive. Yeah. You can pay a kid in high school if he commits. Because of Curtis Gregory. Exactly. And that's been a huge game changer. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, what do you got on the text line? I do want to say, speaking of that, there was some news early in this week. Slew, St. Louis hired... Uh, one of the compliance officers from Mizzou who's actually spearheaded the legislation for the NIL there. So Slew making some moves with, it, with NIL as well, which is really positive to see. Need to see it. Absolutely. Uh, take it or leave it. This is Drinkwitz last season with Missouri. 
I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave it, too. I'm going to leave it. Yeah. He's the 10th highest paid coach in America, 8th highest paid coach in the SEC. Actually, 7th now, probably, because I think Saban was making more. So he probably moves up to 7 in the SEC, 9 overall. And when you look now at the Blue Bloods that spend a lot of money, I don't think now we're looking at teams that are going to have people retire. I don't think he's going to Michigan. So is... Texas going to be looking for a replacement? Is USC going to be looking for a replacement? Is Alabama going to be looking for a replacement? Notre Dame. I just, uh, I, I don't see the dozen or so blue bloods making immediate changes for a guy like Eli. I'm going to have to leave it too, but things can change. He's already in the conversation, possibly as a candidate for Alabama. Another season like what you had this past season, he's definitely going to be a lot in a lot more of those conversations. Yeah, to Brooke's point, you kind of run the the table with the guys that you have coming back and then at that point do you say I've done as much as I can do which I don't think he has I think he can get bigger but you, you say I, I've I had Brady Cook had Luther Burden I've had some of these kids come in I've run mm-hmm. the table with them and now it's time to move on which is the mindset of what is a lot of coaches you know you stay four to six years and then at that point you move on to the next job take or leave it you'd rather have Marcus Stroman at 18.5 than Lynn or Gibson Leave it. I'm gonna have to leave that. I'm gonna leave that. And I, I look at that as as Lynn and Gibson. Yes. Yes. If you're saying both, yes. Right? Because those two are roughly the same amount of money. I love Marcus Stroman, by the way. And one of the things that he does is get ground balls. And when the Cardinals shifted last year more so than not, they really had success. And I'm I'm sure they're diving into those numbers again and saying, you know what? We need to look at how we're shifting. And if we have a ground ball guy out there. Andre Palante, that kind of pitcher, um, we've got to make sure that we're on top of that. Because there are times it just seems like the, the shifting was a hit and miss, lack of a better term, with some of the various <laughs> pitchers that they had on the mound. Yeah. More hits. A lot of hits. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. And by the way, one of the things, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew, one, one, one thing about Stroman is that uh, in his career, first half of his career, uh, in the first half of seasons, or at least last season, he was much better in the first half. He kind of fell apart in September last year. So, and he's he's small. He's five seven. I was and waiting for you pounds. to say that. Yeah, yeah. I, I just again, it's hard to pitch for six months if you're not a horse. Marcus Stroman, New York native too. Yeah, going back home somewhere yep. that he wanted to go to, and he was putting it out on social media too, kind of trying to pressure people into getting him back to the uh, East Coast. Good for him. Take it or leave it. You'd put the over-under at one and a half for playoff head coaches getting fired. I'm going to uh, mm. I'm, I'm going to put it at one half and I'm going to bet the under. Oh, okay. Really? I'm going to bet the under too. I don't think any playoff coaches get fired. Well, didn't you see that report? Well, I don't know. The, yeah, I might have Adriani, to do that too. McCarthy. You never know. Things can change. The one that makes sense because there's a lot of smoke with it and when there's smoke there's fire Sirianni and with Philly Mm -hmm. yeah if they don't win they've dropped what five of six going into the playoffs Eh, their defense is awful right now yeah Yeah. he would be the guy that comes to mind for me but I wonder if they might just they've already done the defensive coordinator they lost both coordinators last year maybe they just have to replace their coordinators well it was Sirianni that made that defensive coordinator change too and it got worse (laughs) since the change (laughs) Randy can you think of and I know you are Megamind so I have to ask you can you think of a coach that led his team to a Super Bowl gets off to this great start could have been the number one seed in the NFC 
and then is on the the hot seat in the playoffs the following year after making it to the Super Bowl? No, it happened really fast. I mean, this happened quickly, yeah, man. It happens in this iteration of sports and in uh, in Philadelphia. It, That's true too. It, it does. It didn't take long for. Doug Peterson to fall out of favor there either. Yeah, I was. That's the one I thought about. I was going to yeah. bring that up, but I, I can't think of anybody else that dropped that precipitously to having a chance to being fired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. But no. I guess they see it going in a different direction. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, the other night Stephen A had a group in his box at the national championship game with Jeter and Jordan and Travis Scott. So which five people would you have in your suite at a big gamer concert? You get five to join you in the suite. Which five do you want? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. So the other night at the national championship game between Washington and Michigan, there was a booth shown on ESPN where Stephen A. Smith apparently was the ringleader with a group that included Michael Jordan and Derek Jeter and Travis Scott. And it seemed like just a really fun booth. So we thought, who would we like to have in a booth at a big event or a big concert? And Brooke has really taken this to heart. You you really have, you, you bought multiple suites for this game, haven't you? I did. Apparently I have a lot of money over here yeah. because yeah. I got multiple suites. It depends on which one you guys want to hear because I have an ESPN personality suite. I have just a fun overall suite that went with the theme that we saw mm-hmm. in there and I have a St. Louis suite and then I have my chaos suite. So you guys pick two and I will tell you what's in there. I kind of like the chaos. Yeah, you got to start with oh, when you yeah. hear the word chaos. You got to okay. start with that. Chaos right? suite. Imagine this. I want pure chaos. And we're going to have as many cameras on the suite as Taylor Swift at any NFL game that she's at. Okay. So in my chaos suite, I have Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Kimmel, <laughs> Donald Trump, Joe Biden, and maybe if we could add an extra person just because Pat five. McAfee. Okay. Just to, <laughs> to stir. To, well, Sometimes moderate, but also stir the pot, Danny Back. I love that. I love that. Now, do you have security? Eh. Do you need that? <laughs> do you truly need that? Or you just let it fly? I think that it's been really interesting to see all the drama, if everybody's been keeping up that, between Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Kimmel, Pat McAfee, and everything that is involved there. I think that that would be a very interesting suite to watch. You would forget that there's even a game going on. You certainly would. Okay, I'll go in all St. Louis sports suite. Okay. okay. All right. I'm going to start with now. This could be a stretch, but he's here all the time. Is Wayne Gretzky? Yep. Okay. So uh, sweets at Enterprise Center all the time. Uh, Albert Pujols. I want to talk baseball and hitting. Now they they've got to agree to do this. Like I get to pick their yeah. brain for four hours and, and do this. Um, a zest for life. I'd go with Jason Isringhausen. Mm-hmm. Good just, call. Just because I love hanging out with Jason Isringhausen. He's one of my favorite people. Uh, Bill DeWitt Jr. And it would be about growing up around baseball. I'd want to know more about his dad. I want to know more about when he was. A Bat Boy, being on the field with Babe Ruth, uh, the Eddie Goodell situation, all that kind of stuff I think would be fun to hear about. Uh, Dick Vermeil would mm. be in my St. Louis box, if you will, and uh, Carolyn Kendall. 
And I, I want to know about her philanthropy, which she's got a huge background in, but also how they did this, like how they started a sports franchise and just how hard it may have been, the pitfalls of it, the fun of it, all the, the good stuff that's come along with it, too. That that's is- my St. Louis sports box that's a suite where you're gonna have so many great stories yeah all the stories and people who have really impacted not only the sports community but really have helped st louis in general so you would love to just pick everybody's brains in there so brooke right next to your chaos suite <laughs> which which a lot of people are chiming in you're gonna definitely have to have security for this <laughs> uh, right next door my my suite has O.J. Simpson. Oh, oh God, here we go. Oh no, Mike, oh, Mike no. Tyson, <laughs> Michael Vick, Mike Danton. And Kurt Warner. What? <laughs> now, how does Kurt fit in with this crew? Let's let's hear it. He sets him on the straight and narrow. Okay. He fixes. I don't. I don't know if you you need more than Kurt to help that room a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. You, you, you you get a shot of the of the sweet mid game, and Kurt's just laying hands on everybody. Just yeah. <laughs> now, are you you yeah. going to talk to these guys much? Oh yeah. Or, well, okay. I want to hear the one up story because at some point the truth is going to come out, right? Okay. Oh, oh yeah. no. Special guest yeah. Ray Lewis. Uh, yeah, he could be in there. What happened to the suit? And then my 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 fun suite, my fun suite, and so we're assuming it's a night game. So we're going to be out on the course during the day. It's Barkley, Tiger, Jordan, Kelsey, and Paul Bissonette. Which Kelsey? Travis. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. Paul Bissonette would be good. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah, he's really funny. Got my hockey guy in there. So I, I've got basketball, golf, uh, football. And, uh, and hockey. I don't have a baseball guy. Either. I think with all of these, we'd all agree that if you could add, I don't care what kind of suite it is, if I get Charles Barkley in there. Yes. It, yeah, no doubt. I if, you could add him to yep. any of yep. them. Yep. Yes. Yeah. If you add, it's Barkley. If you cut, it's Simpson. I just thought of the perfect Barkley-centric. I'm going to move away from this. I just thought of the perfect Barkley-centric suite that you put together. Ready for this one? So you get Charles Barkley, Michael Jordan, Pete Rose, Phil Mickelson, Dave Portnoy, and then you just see the collective amount of money that is bet across those five people throughout just one football game. Because I think it would be seven borderline eight figures of millions of dollars just getting thrown around between those five guys. It would be you would need a, you would need literally three different bookies in there just to keep it together. Who's the one person though if you could just sit down and uh, sit in the suite and just pick their brain on a serious note, who would you want? Oh man. Out of anybody? Cuz mine's Gretzky. Hmm. I I I just am fascinated with the career he had. Uh, I know there's the Bobby Orr comparison, or not comparison, but to com- uh, compare who's the best of all time. I know one's on defense, the other one's setting records all over the place, but Gretzky would be interesting to me. Okay, are, is the person that we're sitting with uh, and we're talking and just taking in a game, are, are they do, beholden to be honest? Like truth serum kind yeah. of thing? Uh oh. Yes. Oh. Then it's okay. got to be OJ, I guess. Well, that'd be good. But no, oh, that would too. I, you know who's got great stories and knows what happened and would be really interesting to talk to is Joe Torre. Mm. A long time. I mean, he 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 played with uh, obviously managed some of the great players ever, but played with some of the great players ever. Uh, you know, great friends with all of the greats in baseball. I think he'd be really interesting. He himself, a former MVP. Yep. Great player, as you mentioned. What happened in St. Louis? 
in terms of, yep. you know, they didn't spend money at that point in time, and he was forced out, not forced out, but let go in the mid-'90s and then lands on his feet with the Yankees. Perfect timing and becomes a – he was already getting towards legendary status. He was a great, great player, <laughs> struggled with teams. Now, he did take the 82 Braves to the playoffs, the playoffs right. but you think about – being in New York with the Yankees at that level, that's a good one, Randy. I yep. like that and, one. And obviously, all those years with Henry Aaron, yeah, uh, you know, and, and around that scene, and had a chance. You know, he was w- with Dusty when when Dusty was around. So he's mm-hmm. had a, a lot of really interesting observations of the history of the game. I would say Tony La Russa, just because I know that you guys have got to talk to him more, but I've met him in passing a couple times, but just to sit there and talk to him about everything, because from everything that I've heard, he has perfect recall. He can remember so many different moments and will take you back to that. So it would just be fascinating to go back through some of the greatest Cardinals moments with him. When I first started, uh, Tony would invite me in his office and he would tell the security guy, let this guy in and I'd be able to sit at his desk with him for probably two hours before every game just just the two of us and he would explain why he was making moves why he didn't make moves the state of the game and he was incredible so i'm very thankful to him pretty cool that's today's fresh take here on 101 espn coming up our weekly visit with our buddy joe vitale he's next on 101 espn you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn presented by dobbs tire and auto centers Joey Vitale views things a little differently. Just imagine how he looks at hockey. This is The View from Vitale, brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Grimsley, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, the opening drive, 101 ESPN. We head to the celebrity line, and our friend, the great Joe Vitale, is with us. Uh, Joey, were you up early to run this morning? Uh, I was up early, Randy. I, I didn't end up making a run this morning. I took my son Bodie out to breakfast, actually. I tried to, I tried to get him, grab my little guys, my older three at least, once every few weeks or so, and, and this was his morning. He didn't let me forget about it. So got in late last night from the game, a uh, few hours of sleep. Up at the crack of dawn, he was, you know, poking me and say, "Dad, it's time to go to breakfast." We went down there to uh, Spencer's Grill here in Kirkwood, and uh, he got the old chocolate chip pancake and bacon to breakfast the champions. And uh, that's how I spent my morning on this kind of cloudy, dreary, rainy, rainy day. Okay, so he got what I would have gotten. What did you get? I got a cup of coffee and I washed them. I washed them. I, I, I'm trying to do a little bit more of like a fast in the morning, so I'm trying to do like the water and coffee thing, and which has been it's been feeling pretty good lately. But I'm trying to miss breakfast as much as I can, uh, which is hard because Spencer's Grill's got a, a heck of a breakfast over there in Kirkwood, and and I'm watching my son uh, take one bite at a time on his chocolate chip pancake, and I kept asking, I said, "Hey, you gonna save me any?" And of course, uh, the answer was uh, flat out no. But uh, no, it was great to. Great to spend some one-on-one time uh, with him and, and parents out there. Of course, Randy, yourself, you know, it's when when you you have a lot of kids, it's the, there's this dynamic of them in the house, and, and everyone's got a role, and, mm-hmm. and Bodie's, Bodie's right in the middle. So he's always kind of between the, the younger ones and the older ones, and, and to try to grab him on the side every now and then and to do the best I can as far as give him his uh, one-on-one time. And, and it's, it's funny to see when, when you do that, uh, the conversations and the direction it goes in. That's so great. What And these are memories that as a dad you'll never forget, right? 
Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, just um, understanding understanding his his mind. He's very different than me. I mean, that's the, the hard as, as parents, as, as we all know. You know, it's hard because you know, if if every kid was like you, it'd be, I guess, easy. It wouldn't it maybe be as fun, but it'd be a lot easier. Like, oh yeah, this is how I think. This is how you think. This is how we think. This is easy. Let's just figure this out. But uh, he is he's a left handed. Uh, he's art, artsy. I mean, he woke up this morning. He started drawing a seahorse. I mean, he's very artsy. He's very different than me, um, which has been uh, almost a, a challenge, but a blessing to learn how his mind works and, and what he's into. And uh, it's really challenged me as a father. He has really challenged me as a father. So it's been it's been a wonderful experience having him. That's great. I'm glad you were able to do that. OK, one other quick question for you. In our country, in our society, how has the chocolate chip pancake not become just the normal pancake? Why, why is the buttermilk pancake the normal pancake? Why isn't the chocolate chip pancake? Why don't we just order pancakes and just assume that they're going to be chocolate chip pancakes? <laughs> it's funny you say that. I was just thinking about, so in Belgium, in Belgium, you order a waffle, and it comes with the pearl sugar. Have you ever had one of these, Randy, like the pearl sugar? Uh, they're called, like, uh, the Lage waffle. No, L-I- you turned me on to the idea, but I have not had one yet. Okay, yeah, so you go to Belgium, and you order a waffle, and it just comes with pearl sugar. And I, I'm with you, man. Like, listen, I'm with you. I think that I think that any inclusion on the, on the pancake, if we were going to make it standard across the board, I don't think that – I don't think you can argue the chocolate chip. And I, and I don't know where the buttermilk uh, standard – uh, came from, uh, but listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna knock the buttermilk pancake. I think it needs, I think it needs a little bit of sour to balance out that sweet. We've talked about balance in the past, uh, but no, I think that uh, you know, my son the other day, he he put uh, chocolate chips with his waffles in this. We got kind of this cheap waffle maker, and he decided I'm gonna add chocolate chips and waffle. I can't tell you what this thing has done to my, my waffle maker. I mean, it is like stuck. It's like, you know, like, like hot, like solid caramel. I'm like, I'm like carving this thing out. I'm still working on it. It's been about four or five days, so. That's one mistake from a waffle standpoint I, I'll have to learn. The key is the mini chocolate chips, Joey. If you get mini chocolate chips, it doesn't have nearly the negative effect on your waffle iron. Oh, that's okay. Now I know that. Now I, I could have used that advice about four or five days ago, Randy. I, I wish our hits were on Monday. I, I would have been able to figure that out. Well, Joey, I want to ask you about, obviously, the Blues victory last night. Taking down the Rangers 5-2 to two. is their third victory against a first-place team since Drew Bannister took over. What do these wins mean, especially the wins against the type of competition they're beating? Well, I mean, listen, Brooke, they're, they're beating good teams because they're, they're playing very low-risk hockey, you know, and that's, that's the reality. You know, you, you look at the way this team is playing, and they're playing the way that they know they have to play to win. You know, I think that you look at the depth of this squad, you look at how this team is built, um, it is not necessarily a, a elite top caliber jump off the page on paper team. It's not, you know, what we saw with the Colorado Avalanche. It's not a Dallas Stars grouping, right? This is this is a group of certainly some talented players, but but this is still a, a bit of a retool and, and a refurbish, if you will, and, and moving in a good direction. But I'm not going to sit here and say that this is the, the caliber team the Blues had back in nineteen and twenty when they were winning Stanley Cups and, and finishing in the first of their conference before of course COVID hit. So with that being said I think that the top caliber teams can fall back on and lean on depth, lean on talent, lean on players like Nathan McKinnon just to take over the game. And I think this blue squad knows that if they're going to be successful and they want to win games, 
it's just going to have to be a very low-risk style of game. It's got to be uh, low-risk in the offensive zone. You can't afford to turn the puck over. We saw that a couple games ago against the Florida Panthers. A couple turnovers hurt you. I think it's a very responsible style. You have to play tight defensively. Is it always super flashy and super sexy? No. I mean, last night, don't get me wrong, was great. I mean, Jordan Cairo took over the game offensively. Uh, but aside from Cairo, there, there weren't a ton of chances. I think the Blues finished with 19 shots on goal. And you compare that to, I think, to 41 or 42 on the New York Rangers. So it's not a very explosive uh, flashy offense that's going to bring you to the edge of your seat the entire game. But listen, it's effective. It, it's boring and it's effective. And right now, I think the Blues have certainly found that groove of what works, what doesn't work. And they know by playing that low-risk, um, somewhat rewarding hockey, you're going to beat some very good teams because you're going to stifle them and you're going to make sure that you outpatient them throughout the stretch of 60 minutes. Joey, doesn't it seem like the the formula for the Blues and for a lot of teams, it's this. It's goaltending, and Bennington was awesome last night. Special teams, they get two power play goals. You're going to have to do that at some point this season. It's got to get better. It was last night. And your, your big players have to show up and play and that that top line was terrific last night i know it sounds cliche but that's kind of the way the blues have to play this year they got to be near perfect uh dan to answer your question i think in this stretch and that's something that drew banister addressed two weeks ago as they were entering into this stretch of the dallas stars colorado avalanche pittsburgh penguins the vancouver canucks carolina hurricanes new york Rangers. i mean think about this stretch that they're in the i mean they are literally in the middle of this storm of a stretch of unbelievable hockey teams that are at the top of their class and you know heading into this two weeks ago he said one thing is definitely certain we are going to have to play as near a perfect of a game to give ourselves just a chance just to give ourselves a chance i mean go back to that florida game two games ago i thought the blues actually played a pretty good game and you got a 2-1 game in the third period and this is a florida team that won seven straight so this is a really good florida team you're only down by a goal you're in a good spot Right. And what happens? You have one turnover, two turnovers, and both of those end up in the back of your net. I mean, that's what he's talking about. You have to play as close to a perfect style and responsible style just to give yourself the chance. And I think in last night's game is, is a perfect example. I think that your goaltender was exceptional. And I mean, exceptional with the capital D. I think that was maybe his best performance of the season. I know from a save standpoint, he's had games where he's had more saves. But I'm talking about quality chances, timely chances for New York. You know, shortly after the Blues grabbed the lead, Artemi Panarin's on the back door. He gets all the wood on it on a back door tap in, and then Bennington slides over, makes a big save. So I think that he was great. The power play gave you a nudge, uh, first unit and the second unit, which was which was great. Each one picked up a goal in last night's game with Kyrou and Brandon Saad uh, being the goal scorer on both units. And then you play just a very, very tight defensive game. You just didn't give the New York Rangers a ton of room. But, you know, with all that being said, in this stretch, good teams, the Blues know how they got to play. One thing is certain. It doesn't really matter about systems. doesn't matter about your power play. doesn't matter about depth. Forget all that. Forget your top players. If you don't have a goalie who played the way Jordan Bennington played last night, you, you just don't have a chance. I don't care how good your power play is. I don't care how good your top players are. You need a backstopper. I mean, and that's what's so... Uh, encouraging and intriguing about this Blues team as they now find themselves three games over 500, pushing for 10 and 11 games over 500 because they know that's what it's going to take to get into the playoffs. That's what's intriguing. Can they get there? I think so. I really do because when you have a goalie that can stand on his head and is competitive and is poised and is so good about making those timely saves like Bennington is, that to me is what separates the Blues 
from, let's say, like an Arizona Coyotes or a Seattle Kraken or some of these other Calgary Flames teams that are right there in this kind of wild card race as we approach the halfway point on Saturday night. All right, Joey V, before we let you go, you grew up in St. Louis, a native. You're obviously a guy that played winter sports. You've got five kids. If we get snow, get four, five, six inches of snow, the Vitali family's go-to hill for sledding. Oh, that's, that's a great question. So, I mean, Art Hill is the number one. Obviously, that that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bit of a drive, though. We actually go to a DePair Park, which is right off Manchester there. It's right on the backside of the park. Right at Manchester and Ballas, right on the corner there. Bingo, right there. They have a lake, which obviously is, is wonderful. But then on the backside, they have this little hill, and it, it kind of leads into a creek. Which the kids the kids love and and I love Brandy because you know you get down and that's it's rewarding enough of a hill but it's not as excruciating getting up that's the one thing about Art Hill it's like yes is it a blast for twenty seconds but then it's miserable for another ten minutes to get <laughs> the climb right. climb back up like anything in life you gotta have you gotta have some resemblance of a balance where you have to kind of make this thing work and and within about ten minutes of course I'm usually the I'm the Sherpa. I'm hauling kids. I'm hauling sleds. I'm the carrier of things, if you will, when it comes to sledding at the kids' ages that they are. Uh, usually someone gets hurt within the first 45 minutes. So that's the good news. If it's too cold, within 45 minutes, we're usually heading home with bandages bruised up and mom's got hot chocolate on the soap. All right. Hey, we'll be tuned in tomorrow night for the Blues and the Bruins. Always good to hear your voice, Joey V. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You three have a great weekend as well. Always a pleasure, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Yes, sir. Thank you. That's Joe Vitale with us on 101 ESPN. Vitale. It could be. I say Vitale too much. He told us it's Vitale. 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 Uh, Mr. Uh, Italian guy. Italian. Can you, uh, is Vitale? (laughs) Vitale. Okay, good. Thanks. It's Rocchio. His name ends with a vowel also. Mr. Italian. Well, his name ends with a vowel. Until that damn (laughs) Braves, oh no, Guardians shortstop comes, gets called up and ruins my life. Because he pronounces it differently. And he's How does he pronounce it? Rokio. Come and on. And I am going. And it's it's bothers me every. I, I I follow him on Twitter and he posts highlights. I'm like the main. He gets called by the Guardians. My I'm just I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fighting Rokio. against that current the rest of my life. You sure are. <laughs> uh, do you need a fighter, sir? Uh, yeah. You won. Uh, for the twentieth. Strange fight yesterday, so I do need a fighter. I'll, I'll take it. We do need a fighter then to participate in the fight. Coming up in our next segment, all you need to do is text into the Air Comfort Service text line with your name and the word fight to 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO. Maybe you'll fight me next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the Drive Brooke Grimsley here alongside Randy Carricker, Danny Mack, and Matthew Rocchio. And it is time for the fight and our fighter today. Trying to take down Randy Carricker is John. John, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you? Doing good. You ready to take on Randy in the fight? How are you feeling, first of all, going into this fight? Scared. <laughs> you said scared? Scared. Yes. Oh, no. You just have to be confident in yourself. You never know how it could go. You're right. <laughs> there we go. All right. We'll go ahead and get started. You ready for question number one, John? Yes. 
Question number one. Alabama running backs have a long history in the NFL, but which Bama back leads all alumni in NFL career rushing yards with over 9,500? Is it Eddie Lacy, Sean Alexander, or Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry. Okay, is that your final answer? Final answer. All right, question two. Bill Belichick and Chuck Knox both won the NFL Coach of the Year three times. Who is the only coach to win it four times? Bill Walsh, George Hallis, Don Shula. Bill Walsh. Final answer? Final answer. Question three, please. Jordan Cairo tallied his third career hat trick last night, well behind the Blues record of 27 held by Brett Hull. Who is the only other Blues player in history to score 10-plus hat tricks? Is it Red Berenson? Jorgen Pedersen, or Bernie Federko. Can you repeat those, please? The question or the answers? Answers. Red Berenson, Jorgen Pedersen, or Bernie Federko? Bernie Federko. Final answer, John. Final. All right, on to question four. Today is the anniversary of another playoff game miracle. This time, it's the mile-high miracle when the Ravens, when this Ravens receiver beat the Broncos for an unexpected 70-yard touchdown pass from Flacco. Is it Jacoby Jones, Eric Decker, or Torrey Smith? Ooh. Uh, Torrey Smith, finally. All right. How you feeling, John? We're going to bring in Randy right now, but how you feeling taking on one of the greats ever <laughs> in the history of sports trivia? I feel like I just got smashed. <laughs> well, I don't think so. I think you did a good job. Confidence okay. is good. I think you did a good right. job. We're going to bring in Randy. He's having some of his grapes. Oh, he finished his bag of grapes. He had a full bag, I felt like, when he left. Get in here, Randall. Let's go. <laughs> and, uh, Randy, on this Friday morning, please yes, say good morning to your fighter, John. John, good morning. How you doing? I'm good, Randy. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. Okay. You ready for question number one, Randy? I am ready. Question number one. Alabama running backs have a long history in the NFL, but which Bama back leads all alumni in NFL career rushing yards with over 9,500? Hmm. Over 9,500. I'm guessing Trent Richardson is probably not the guy. (laughs) I think it comes down to uh, two and I think your guy, Derrick Henry, uh, is the guy I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Derrick Henry as my choice. Question. Alabama running back with the most yards in the NFL. I didn't mean to interrupt there. <laughs> no, it's okay, Dan. Okay. Fine. Fine. Question two. You ready? Ready, sir. Bill Belichick and Chuck Knox both won the NFL Coach of the Year three times. Who is the only coach to win it four times? Okay, so all of this Belichick stuff. People tend to forget that. Don Shula. You guys ever heard of David Woodley? David Woodley, a quarterback. Ever heard of David Woodley? I remember the name. David Woodley appeared in a Super Bowl with Don Shula as his head coach. Yeah. Come on. As his QB. (laughs) As his QB. David Woodley in a Super Bowl with Don Shula as his coach. Right. I believe it was Don Shula. And I think he might have won coach of the year that year. David Woodley succeeded by one uh, 
Dan Marino. Question three, please. Question three. Jordan Cairo tallied his third career hat trick last night, mm-hmm. well behind the Blues record of 27 held by Brett Holt, who is the only other Blues player in history to score 10 plus hat tricks. Bernie Federico is who I'm going with. That Jorgen Pedersen can thread a needle in a haystack. <laughs> you remember in that? The dark. Thread a needle <laughs> in, in the, the dark. dark. That's yeah. right. That was Dan, one of Dan Kelly's all-time great calls. That's amazing. <laughs> hey, Jorgen Pedersen. And he was, he had, I think he had 37 in his rookie year. Could thread a needle in the dark. Good player. All right, today is the anniversary of a Facebook friend. Isn't that weird that Jorgen Pedersen is a Facebook friend? I never saw that coming. Can I move on to question four? Go ahead, yes. yes. Name dropper. Yeah. I don't know. I I never covered him. I didn't know him. I don't know why. He he probably listens to the fight. Is he from Sweden or Finland? I think he's a Swede. A Swede. And it's probably a sweet guy, too. Okay, let's do it. Question four. Today is the anniversary of another playoff game, Miracle. Hmm. This time, it's the mile-high miracle when this Ravens receiver beat the Broncos for an unexpected 70-yard touchdown pass from Flacco. Joe Flacco. I think I know this one, Dan, but I just want to make sure that I hear the name. So uh, can you please provide me with the lifeline? Jacoby Jones. Jacoby Jones. Eric Decker, Tori Smith, and I'm assuming you've gone with Jacoby Jones. I will go with Jacoby Jones, yeah. yes. <laughs> the way that you just stopped right in the middle. Yeah, that's one of those that you can see in your mind's eye. Rock, how many has he won in a row? Uh, he has won 20 in a row coming into today. Mm. And the question now we have to ask ourselves, did he win number 21? Or does John take him down? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. I'm sorry, John. You got two correct today, but Randy Carricker hit the Jackie beat you four to two. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Yeah, that's the way it goes. You're right. That, that's a very good way to put it. Let's go through those questions and answers. Alabama running backs have a long history in the NFL, but which Bama back leads all alumni and career NFL rushing yards with over 9,500? He passed Sean Alexander this year. Sean Alexander at 9,450. Derek Henry with 9,502 yards. Your all-time leader of Bama backs in the NFL. Belichick and Knox with three Coach of the Year awards. Don Shula has four, three of them with the Baltimore Colts, one in 1972. It was actually Joe Gibbs who took the Washington Redskins to an 8-1 and record in the regular season of that 82 Greatest season. coach of all time. Who uh, won that year's coach of the year. I love Joe Gibbs. He's the best. Jordan Kyra tallied his third career hat trick last night. And, well, Brett Hall had 27 of those. And the next closest is, in fact, 10 even for Bernie Federko. And today is the anniversary of another playoff game miracle. This time it's the mile-high miracle. And thanks to Raheem Moore, Jacoby Jones cantered 70 yards. And eventually the Ravens went on to win that game. And then the Super Bowl after an overtime victory over the Broncos. So a 4-2 win for Randy Carricker in the fight today. John, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show. Thanks for having me. John, thank you so much. Great to have you with us. By the way, I had a great time last night at the MAC. A group of, uh, and Dan, you you appreciate this, uh, former Viani hockey players that played with a, a late great firefighter in the city of St. Louis, Ben Polson. They get together to honor his memory every year. He was, he was killed a couple of years ago in the line of duty. Ben Polson was. And 
what the first responders in the St. Louis area do is get together uh, each year. This was the second annual, and they raise funds for education of first responders. And had a great time last night. Our friend Cam Jansen was there and spoke. Reed Lowe was the auctioneer. Uh, had a, a terrific time and just uh, Tommy Ackerman was there. Thanks to everybody who was there and raised so much money and maintains the legacy of a really great St. Louis and Ben Pulse. You were saying there was 400 plus people mm-hmm. there? Yeah. Nice wow. work. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. They, they do a fantastic job and I'm really proud of them. And proud to be a part of it. Kind of what we were talking about with Rocky Sickman too. First responders are part of that, not just the, uh, the, the kids of fallen soldiers. So they're reaching out to all those, which is great and what yep. should be done here in St. Louis. Absolutely. Uh, That's Dan, that's Brooke, that's Matthew, and I'm Randy. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, as we watch NFL quarterbacking, is it better to have a quarterback sit for a while like Jordan Love or start right away like C.J. Stroud? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The game is faster. Uh, uh, You you play at Ohio State. You play at Alabama. The NFL, I mean, it's just faster. I think I made my game too fast because I said, well, the NFL is so much faster. Then my drops have to be even faster. And I have to go through my reads even faster. And that's not necessarily what you have to do. You just have to respect the speed of the defense and understand hey, I just can't make that throw. I made that throw a ton, and I can't make that throw, right? And that's how you prevent those turnovers. I think CJ has figured that out so much quicker than I did. It took me a whole season. I kind of figured it out my second year. That's a Kevin Clark podcast with Peyton Manning, who, oh, by the way, started from game one of his first season in the NFL and threw an NFL record that still stands, I believe, 28 interceptions in his rookie year. He was not great right off the bat. And he, as he explains it, he had to figure out on the field whether or not he could make certain throws. Obviously, C.J. Stroud this year figured it out right off the bat. But some guys, Jordan Love had a great year this year. He has thrown 18 touchdowns and one interception in his last eight games. And After sitting for three years, he was probably ahead of the game a little bit, A, because he had the chance to learn at the NFL level under a coach like Matt LaFleur, but he also had the chance to watch Aaron Rodgers for three years, which I think does make a difference. So the question today is, would you rather have a quarterback who starts right away like C.J. Stroud or has the opportunity to sit for a while like Jordan Love, like Lamar Jackson, like Patrick Mahomes? What would you rather have? I would say I would rather have them sit first and be able to learn from a quarterback. You go to that Jordan Love situation, who did he get to learn from and who did he get to watch for from over the years? He got to watch Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. and to see what he had to do game preparation-wise. I think that that's the best situation because, of course, there is some special cases where they're ready to start right from the beginning. But is it more of they're a special quarterback or is it a special situation circumstance they're in? C.J. Stroud, just being honest, you guys know that I'm a Titans fan, so I'm very well aware of how things go mm-hmm. in the AFC South. I don't think that there was as much pressure for the Texan this season, Texans this season. I don't know if everybody was expecting that much from C.J. Stroud, or even you have D'Amico Ryans as a new head coach there. I don't know if the expectations were that high, so then the pressure isn't there. Could Jordan Love have been put in that same situation, but say it's with the Packers, 
You, I don't think you could do that. I feel like you have to, with certain situations, ease them into it and learn from a veteran quarterback. Staying in the AFC South, if you look at Will Levis, mm-hmm. he got to see and work with Ryan Tannehill specifically. I think that's the right situation because you also have seen where it goes the other way. The first quarterbacks that come to mind that weren't in the right situations, I believe, are two Mizzou quarterbacks in Drew Locke and what happened with him with the Broncos and then Blaine Gabbert with the Jaguars. I would say that it's situational. I would love to have my QB sit minimum two years mm-hmm. and then potentially play a little bit in the third year and then becomes graduates to being a starter. The The Packers model is where I would go. It, but mm-hmm. that's all situational if I can afford to do that because I have somebody that I can start and have success with. You know, went Favre to Rodgers to Love. Um, it's been a different GM, by the way. For those three guys, every time, mm-hmm. isn't wow. that interesting? Yeah, I Ron mean, Wolf, they, Ted Thompson, and now Brian Gutekunst, and they they've had really good coaching all the way too. That's part of the situation. Now, if you're at the question you're asking, if I get C.J. Stroud, I know he's going to throw five ints the entire year. Give me C.J. Stroud. If I know though that what I see in Carolina going on with their QB, I'm like, no way. I got to sit him. I gotta let him watch. And C.J. Stroud is the exception to the rule, isn't he? Because yes. normally, when you're taking a quarterback that is capable of playing in his rookie year, you're getting that player because your team sucks. Exactly. And what you need to do is build, especially the offensive line. One of the advantages that Lamar Jackson had is that he had a plug-and-play defense running game and offensive line. And so he was able to go to the playoffs in his rookie year. And a Coaching staff smart enough to accentuate his abilities. Look at a situation like Sam Bradford here, where Spags had no idea. Dick Curl was his quarterback's coach. He had no idea. Uh, Pat Shermer had no idea. And they didn't have an offensive line. And right when Sam came in, the organization quit trying and never gave him a left tackle or a receiver. You couldn't have been in a worse situation than Sam Bradford was in here in St. Louis and Brooke along those lines. When you talk about Blaine Gabbert, remember he was drafted 10th overall Mm -hmm. the year of the lockout. So coaches couldn't talk to players. And training camp was three weeks long, so they and there, no preseason games. So you bring Blaine Gabbard into camp. He's never played with a playbook before. He, he played at Mizzou in a spread. Like Sam Bradford, he'd never had to clap a team out of a huddle. And right off the bat, in game one, you're trying to expect him, you're expecting him to be a good NFL quarterback. Wrong place, wrong time. A guy who also has gotten kind of lucky, and it didn't look like that this year, but thank goodness for Trevor Lawrence that they lost or they had to fire Urban Meyer because Urban Meyer was a disaster as an NFL head coach. And there's a reason now, when you look back, that Urban Meyer's quarterbacks in college never made it in the NFL. And I kind of think that that would have happened to Trevor Lawrence, too. Well, and that's the thing is that if you are going to start a young quarterback like that, you have to trust the process. What I hate to see in the NFL, which we have seen time and time again, is that same story of a young quarterback coming in. There is such a huge leap, as you mentioned, Randy, in so many different ways. The playbook gets <laughs> gets way mm-hmm. bigger when you just go to the NFL. having one most of the time. Yeah, just even having one. Yeah. The level of talent that you're facing to expect a young quarterback just to be thrust into that situation and succeed, that's why you've seen so many failures. But it is a quarterback's league. And so they are. The expectation is, well, we drafted you. We need you to go out and do this mm-hmm. now. But that's a lot to put on. A lot of these guys are 21, 22, 23. I remember when the Titans drafted Marcus Mariota, and 
you're like, wow, this is a 21-year-old that is expected somehow to just turn this entire franchise around. I have two philosophies. Number one, I'm with you guys that I would obviously prefer that the quarterback sit. But if there's a Mariota, I think what happens a lot of times in the NFL is you take a quarterback because he's there and not because he's good. I think a lot of bad teams take a quarterback because, okay, well, we were terrible. Like Bryce Young is a perfect example. The the Panthers took Bryce Young and traded up because he was there. They could have sat at number nine and gotten a decent quarterback or gotten a left tackle and get your quarterback later, but build your offensive line first. I would say, too, that your, your general manager and your coach – better be pretty comfortable in their spot in the organization Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. a lot of guys are rushed because they have to justify the pick. Exactly. And that's the situational stuff that I'm talking about that would be problematic for a lot of teams. I also think the restrictions of the offseason after the latest CBA affect a QB because you don't have as much time on the field. You don't have as much time to learn the playbook. You don't understand your personnel as well you should so that's part of it too Mm -hmm. that's why i think the jordan love thing's kind of a cautionary tale because it still took him 10 games to to really find his feet as a quarterback in the nfl and that was in his third year now you don't have those extra years where he's cheap and so i say at the latest you, you you do the patrick mahomes model and you make it the second year because clearly even if these guys sit and they can learn the playbook and they can learn the speed of the nfl and they can practice against nfl level defenses even with three years of that jordan love needed 10 games against a live nfl opposing defense before something clicked and he got through that wall i think part of that for him though was for those first 10 games he didn't have watson he didn't have dobbs he had a tight end that mm-hmm. had never played in the league bakhtiari was hurt I think there were a lot of uh, Aaron Jones was hurt. I think there were a lot of extenuating circumstances in the first half of the season for Jordan Love. All of a sudden, the receivers start to mature a little bit. He gets Jones back. They they finally fix the the offensive line situation and come to grips with the fact that Bakhtiari is not going to be there. I think that was a big part of his success in the second half. Well, and also, what are the Packers doing this weekend? Playing in the playoffs? Exactly. It matters what you're doing towards the end, right? Mm -hmm. We were talking about the Eagles earlier. That's more of a cautionary tale of just because what you're doing at the beginning of the season doesn't matter if you start falling apart towards the end of the season. And obviously, as Matthew said, the ideal situation is what the the Chiefs were able to do with Patrick Mahomes, not only because he sat for a year, but because he sat behind a great mentor in Alex Smith. And you need to have that guy that is the placeholder be a real pro. And by all accounts, Alex Smith was and and is. So that's that's what we've determined is uh, sit for a year. At least. At yeah, least. At, at least. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got our Rush Hour Reset. Your St. Louis Blues back in the win column. Plus, interesting story out of Florida State. Are, are there rules that we aren't aware of? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Nine oh three time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. A couple of things that have happened this morning. Number one, the Patriots have named Gerard Mayo as their new head coach, replacing Bill Belichick. Uh, I'm, I have to say I was kind of surprised by that. 
Because I've been predicting Mike Vrabel because there were so many rumors going around that that was one of the main reasons that he wanted to leave Tennessee is because he wanted to go to the Patriots, played there before, as we know. But it seems like they're going the internal route. But still, at the end of the day, we were talking about it makes sense because if you want to get back to the championships, if you want to get back to the Patriots way, you would have to have somebody who is familiar with that system. And yes, you do need to change it because it hasn't been working out here recently, but you have to have a newer version that's still keeping that in mind of the past. I think the rest of the AFC East will be fine with that. When do you think this was done? When do you think that they knew Belichick was stepping away? Oh, that's a it. Good had to question. be before yesterday, I would assume. Yes, it so, had to have been for a while now. That's what I I'm saying. Like. Well, if, now there's a, a way to circumvent the Rooney Rule. You have to go to the NFL and tell them what your plan is if you're planning from hiring from within. Otherwise, you have to interview, even if you're hiring a minority from within your staff. Otherwise, unless you set this up with the league, you have to interview two external minority candidates. Obviously, the Patriots didn't have time to do that. So they told the league before the last season started that they had plans in place to make Jared Gerard Mayo their next head coach. I'm with Brooke. I thought that Mike Vrabel would be the guy, but obviously this was in place. And now the Patriots move on without Bill Belichick and the era is over in New England. Wow. It's still just so crazy to believe of all these changes that you've had going on and seeing where everybody lands. Now I'm curious to see where Vrabel will go, but amongst the other coaches as well. Bill Belichick, that's still up in the air. Did you guys see the report yesterday that supposedly the commanders aren't interested in Mm. Bill Belichick? I didn't see that. That's interesting. That would be the one that made sense to me. They got three top 40 picks and 80 million surplus expected for free agency so you could turn that thing around pretty quickly but maybe josh harris is thinking i want a guy for 10 years yeah rather and i don't i'm guessing he doesn't want an 82 year old head coach i'm assuming this would be my son i mean it's got to be like a three to four year deal if you sign belichick it's for Mm -hmm. three to four years and then he's he's done i mean at that point he's 76 years old yeah Yeah. you know i mean just be realistic about it The, the grind of that at 76 would be awfully tough Yep. Florida State gets penalties, two years probation. They have to disassociate with their NIL collective for a season. And an assistant coach, Alex Atkins, their offensive coordinator, has been suspended for three games. Here is what happened, because I didn't think you could break rules now with NIL. But at a meeting where Atkins drove a recruit to the home or business of a booster, the booster offered the prospect $15,000 a month and encouraged him to play for the Seminoles. And you can't do that. You can't do pay to play. You can't recruit with money. Everybody does, but you can't do it outwardly. And Florida State got in trouble for it. It's such like a tiny detail because essentially that's what you're doing with NIL, right? You are paying the players, (laughs) but you have to do it in the structure of here's a business to promote, right? That's the correct way to go about this. And you didn't come here because of the money. You came here because the school is so great. And then, oh, we'll pay you too. I, uh, I I wonder if Mike Norvell says, you know what, I'm good, and if Alabama comes calling, I'm out the door. I would think that's a yes. distinct possibility. He's yeah. had a good run so far at Florida State. He sure He's has. A good head coach. So I, I would think that that would be a possibility, and uh, there are other names that have popped up on that list for Alabama, but he's right there near the top of it. And Eli Drinkwitz, by the way, is one of the people, according to Football Scoop, who is on that list. I guess when I go back to Belichick, by the way, if he's 76 and coaching football, I shouldn't be all that surprised since 
I don't know. We got two guys that are about 100 years old running for president. So, <laughs> That's true, yeah. yeah. You know, 76, you'd be a spring chicken. Yeah. I was thinking about that. Whatever the news came out about Nick Saban, is like, okay, wait a minute. We we know a stopping point. And for Pete Carroll is where we know a stopping point for right. some of these coaches. But then political-wise, mm-hmm. there's not a stopping point. No, nope, not at all. <laughs> yep. One other fun college football note for you. Former Texas and Nebraska and Florida Atlantic quarterback Casey Thompson committed to Oklahoma where he will play his seventh season of college football next season. How do you get seven? So you got you got a red shirt, you red got a COVID year. year. COVID. Mm-hmm. So that, that but I Thank thought it was like six Jesus. was the max. Yeah, maybe he had a medical. That's the only thing there I had can to think have been of. A medical, yeah. yeah. So you get way, the medical red shirt. Okay. He is the son of former Sooners quarterback Charles Thompson. So he's going to play for the Sooners. A win last yes, Dan. Michael Penix was 24, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. There's a lot of... Uh, Bo, Bo Nix is 24. Yeah. yeah, so... Okay. There's older guys running around. All right, well, just checking older, it out. But, yeah. Uh, last night, the Blues were 5-2 winners over the uh, New York Hockey Rangers. Jordan Cairo with a hat trick, and he supported the great goaltending of Jordan Bennington. By Truba to Jones on the near wing. Truba going in the middle of the ice with it. It's a breakaway. Cairo coming in for the hat trick. He shoots. He scores. You've got a hat. Chuck it in your radio. Yeah, that third one was a big goal at, the, at a key moment in the game, right? So, um, you know, it was good to see him flying around out there and getting the opportunities. Yeah, yeah, he made some good saves, and, and Kyrie was flying. So it's a good, entertaining hockey game. That is Jordan Bennington, and it was really cool for me to hear the honesty of Drew Bannister saying, yeah, he just, he, Kyrie, just needs to be more consistent. Not that we expect three goals from him every night, but he de- needs to be a more consistent player. And to paraphrase, we need more consistent effort from him. But he was all over the ice last night. Also, I enjoyed and at least respected the comments of Drew Bannister after the game last night, paraphrasing, but he basically said, we got to be better. If, mm-hmm. if we play like that, like we did last night, outside of the goaltending, outside of having two power play goals and what Cairo did, it's going to be tough for us to win games. He was very blunt in that assessment. I mean, the first goal that they allowed, the Blues, oh, yeah. it was awful. There were five guys just standing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I thought this can be a blowout. The Rangers are flying, and to their credit, they got it back. But... Uh, you know, Drew Bannister comes out and says, we can't play like that if we expect to win. Well, it was the consistent effort or the lack thereof that led to the Craig Berube firing, correct? Yep. And so that's what you need to see from this group is that consistent effort. And Jordan Bennington was the reason that they were able to say that. To me, outside of Jordan Cairo, everything that he was uh, able to do, of course, you would like to see the hat trick, but Jordan Bennington was the star of the show. He has now stopped 95 of his last 99 shots in three games that he has played in. He is the star. He is what you mm-hmm. need to be the difference maker. And he was the difference maker again last night. Did you guys see the uh, Buchnevich empty yeah. netter and the, the way that he celebrated? Yeah. yeah. Was he angry? I, I don't think I've ever seen that. He took it. So for mm-hmm. fans that didn't see it, he gets an empty netter and he takes his stick and just slams it up against the glass and breaks his stick. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever really seen that. I haven't either. I couldn't no. tell if he was angry or not, if it was just kind of a way of celebrating or I what was going on there. Blowing off some steam there. I, I've never seen. I've seen I think guys. Randy, I think Randy hit it on the head. I do too. I mean, but I, I've seen guys get frustrated and slam a stick when they did something wrong. I mean, but mm-hmm. empty netter. 
I'm, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, yeah. We typically, unless you're Booch. Yeah. Now, he did, because people were worried about that flying over to the fans and how that could have hurt them, he did take a stick over to give to the fans oh, afterwards. Nice. So that was nice of him to do. As the Blues reach the midpoint of the season tomorrow night in a game against the Bruins, 6 o'clock pregame from the Enterprise Center here on 101 ESPN, 7 o'clock faceoff, the Blues are one point or two points out of the final wild card spot in the West. They have 43 with a record of 21, 18, and 1. Seattle, Nashville, and Edmonton all with 45 points. So a jumble for that final wild card spot in the West, Matthew. One last little point on Bujanovic. That was his ninth uh, game without a uh, non-empty net goal. So maybe it was kind of like a eight, eight game straight for him. He doesn't like going on that kind of drought. So maybe it's like you don't like to break your drought with a with a free one like that. Because people would always talk about there's certain hockey players who hate getting empty net goals because it feels cheap to them. So they just ring it around the side. So maybe he just hated kind of getting it that way. Well, he had missed a couple of empty netters too yeah. previously. So I guess that was his way of, like, frustration. Yeah. Finally got it. Okay. He didn't even go down through the bench and, like, high five. He just went No, he went right to the end of the bench, sat down, and that was it. I, I love that from him. I love his passion, his energy, and his compete level. That's what you like to see. That is something that is very consistent with Buchnevich is he's always going to compete. I love his energy and what he's able to bring to that top line as well. And also, the power play guys – I know it's just one game, but hey, hey, there you go, two. That is a step at least in the right direction and their first go-ahead power play goal of the season. Man, that's hard to imagine. 40 games in and that's your first power play goal <laughs> to take a lead this season. Um, I don't know, man. The top line was pretty good. After that, it was kind of a struggle. I think mm-hmm. they were outshot basically 2-1 to one in the game and Jordan they Bennington were. was just fabulous. So that's the difference in the game. One other note for you guys, Andrew Simon at MLB.com has an article about uh, MLB teams and who improved the most at each position. He has the Reds improving most in starting pitching. He has the Cardinals improving most in the outfield. He writes, even less went right in St. Louis last year than in the Bronx. And while the outfield wasn't the Cardinals' foremost issue, it also didn't deliver in the way the club had hoped. So far this winter, Tyler O'Neill and Richie Palacios have been traded with no notable additions from the outside. Rather, it's more about the Cardinals paring down their options, figuring out the most productive alignment, and hopefully being able to stick with it. Among the reasons for optimism, Jordan Walker, who could take a significant step forward this season after more than holding his own as a rookie, and there's also the possibility, he writes, that Lars Nukbar avoids the injured list and is better than he was in 2023 and or a rebound from Dylan Carlson. That's the key is health of <laughs> Lars Nukbar staying in the lineup. Dude. And then the final two months for Jordan Walker, he had an OPS plus of 125. So he was getting better and better mm-hmm. and better. And I'm sure that's part of <clears throat> the equation of what uh, Mr. Simon is putting together. One, health. The other is a young kid just getting better and improving, and he showed signs of that in the final two months of uh, last year's regular season. Well, and you like to have those defined roles, and I do believe that the Cardinals had a plan going into last season, but then it came down to health, and that's why you had infielders in the outfield, and it just felt like a whole kerfuffle in the outfield, and you couldn't build any consistency whatsoever. So hopefully those defined roles will help. It is concerning, though, that you have Tommy Edmond, who had surgery. He should be recovered by the time the season starts that he is going to be your center fielder you hope that that won't be a nagging injury for him this year i would think he had to train a little bit differently in the offseason mm-hmm. too now mm-hmm. obviously coming back from the wrist surgery is one thing but there's a lot of wear and tear man when you're playing shortstop or you're playing in the mm-hmm. outfield especially center field mm-hmm. and i would imagine he's probably trained a little bit differently in this offseason getting ready for that and i would think that that's part of the equation too 
of having an understanding, to your point, Brooke, a defined role for Tommy Edmond, health and Newpar, the continued improvement and growth of Jordan Walker. That is today's Rush Hour Reset. Coming up, we're going to talk blues with our buddy Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Two victory over the Rangers last night at Enterprise Center. Tomorrow night, the Bruins are in town, and we head to the Celebrity Line, where our Blues insider from the Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, is standing by. JR, good morning. The Blues getting an opportunity to see Jim Montgomery tomorrow night. Yes, they will. They will. I know a number of the players are probably uh, look forward to that. So I just wanted to say, uh, yo ho to you guys. Come on, yeah. Danny, you got to conform here. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yo ho. <laughs> hey, that's something there. That's something. Hey, uh, but yeah, Robbie Thomas. Who do you, what do you call him? Robbie Tommy. Randy? Robbie Tommy. Yeah. So he's a big fan of uh, Jim Montgomery. When I wrote a story about Jim uh, a year or so ago, they talked about all the text threads they had going with him. Just a really good communicator. There's no uh, no surprise that he's having all that success in Boston. Well, Jeremy, of course, we have to ask you about the power play because at least it was a positive for the Blues last night getting two power play goals. I know that Bannister and Steve Ott made some changes to the power play units yesterday. What did you think of those changes? Yeah, I think they've been trying to make changes all year. I mean, even with uh, Craig Berube in charge constantly just trying to figure out what is going on here. But I think they were probably the most significant changes in terms of personnel uh, this past Wednesday in practice when they put uh, Tory Krug and Scott Pernovich, two quarterback guys on one unit. You have Colton Pareko on the point on the other unit. You have neighbors on the top unit in front of the net. Sunquist is in front of the net on the other unit. So, you know, I think they made some pretty significant changes, but it all boils down to putting the pucks on the net. And you saw last night, that's what they're doing afterwards. Jordan Kyrou says we're attacking more. So, hey, just listen to the numbers here. And, you know, it's still Steve Ott running the power play with some help from Brad Richards from afar. But under Craig Bruby, the Blues 7 for 83 on the power play. Now under Drew Bannister, the Blues have seven power play goals on 34 chances. So for whatever reason, it's been better since uh, Bannister took over. And it seems like Cairo is a little bit better as well. So 28 games under Craig Berube. He had five goals, 12 assists. He was minus nine. Now under Drew Bannister, 12 games, six goals, six assists, and he's plus six. So are you seeing a different Jordan Cairo under this new head coach? Yeah, I think we all know that uh, he, he probably was looking to, to move on, and, and uh, I think he probably benefits most by the uh, the change with the coach. Uh, I think what we saw last night was just electric. I mean, I realized that uh, a couple of those shots that he had, Shesterkin stopped them, and you know, back-to-back shots, you know, you're, you're probably not going to score on both of those. But, guys, if he did, I tweeted last night, we were on Red Berenson's six-goal watch last night. Like, that could have been. Like, it's a situation where – Every time you saw Kyrou pick up the puck, it was going to be a scoring chance. He finished with eight shots. So he gets the hat trick. That's his first one here in St. Louis. The hats rain down. Pretty cool scene for Jordan Kyrou last night. And uh, what I liked about Jordan Kyrou is after the game, he wasn't talking too much about that. He did when asked about the hat trick, but he said, hey, listen, we got to tighten up. We got to play better. That wasn't good five on five. That wasn't one of our better games. So a lot of mature things coming out of Jordan Kyrou last night. 
Jared, one of the interesting things I find about the Blues now under Drew Bannister, we've talked for multiple head coaches on a regular basis about the Blues' inability to give a consistent 60 minutes. Seems like they give a lot of good 60-minute efforts under this coach. It does, and it's so it's so hard to separate. You know what's what's the situation in terms of uh, you're trying to impress the boss, and you know he's taking away playing time. I mean that could be one of the biggest keys. We talked about him taking away the ice time from Buchnevich. Uh We've seen it with uh, Sammy Blay. I think last night uh, you've already seen Jake Neighbors get less ice time down the stretch. Kapanen was going out for him, and that's not that Neighbors was playing poorly, but they probably maybe just want a more secure player defensively late in the game for whatever reason. Um, you know, I like neighbors overall game, but that's something that maybe Bannister and the staff are saying. But e- either way, I think holding guys accountable, and then we talk about getting into January. And look, you're, uh, what, two points out of a wild card spot, you know, regardless of whether this is a team that can go a couple rounds or not, you know, they want to make the playoffs too. So I think maybe it's a little bit easier to see the light at the end of the tunnel and see the standing shaping up in January than it is November, November and December. But, yes, we've definitely seen a more consistent 60-minute effort from these guys. We've talked a lot about Jordan Cairo, and rightfully so, so, but we have to talk about Jordan Bennington and his performance last night because he was the difference maker, in my opinion, and the star of the game for the Blues, but especially in his personal three-game win streak that he has going on right now. What are you seeing from him right now, Jr.? Yeah, Brooke, he's been phenomenal. I think that he's had a great year. I know that there was a couple-week stretch there where the Blues were giving up a lot of goals, and maybe for the first time this season you could say, yeah, maybe you know, Bennington wants that one back. But I think for the most part he's been solid. And, and, and I'm not just talking solid. I'm talking about they're only winning the game because of Jordan Bennington. And that was the situation last night as well. What were the shots? 42 to 21, and uh, he had a number of uh, uh, 10 bell saves there, Jordan Bennington. So, um Players were praising him afterwards. You know, what are you seeing from Bennington? I think this is a competitive guy. This is a te- a guy who, who wants a team to win, wants to be in the playoffs. And, hey, listen, I don't know if it's too late, but he wants to be in the All-Star game too, right? He, he resent that uh, tweet out to Justin Bieber saying, hey, let's get this challenge going on and, and try to get these votes to get him to Toronto and play in that All-Star game. On a serious note related to that, you know, I got to believe, hometown kid, Toronto, that's where the All-Star game is this year. That had to be something that was really in his sights at this off season, and I think for the first couple months of the year, uh, before Robbie Thomas really started to take off, I think that Jordan Bennington was probably the guy up until that point. You know, Jr., you've had Vancouver, Carolina, Colorado, the Rangers, and they're they're competitive in these games. And for the most part, they were competitive against Florida. What what does that tell you right now of where the Blues are at, and when the schedule, as you mentioned, lessens up a little bit when you get into latter parts of January and going into February? Yeah, so I think when I look at that, you go, wow, look at these wins over these top teams. I mean, if this if this Blues team in this stretch in January, you know, when we told you who the opponents were going to be, uh, you know, if they had one win out of these three or four games, you'd say, well, that's kind of to be expected. That's how good this opposition is. I don't want to get too excited for the reason that Joey Vitale, is it Vitale or Vitale? Vitale. Vitale. Uh, <laughs> that, that he gave you early on, I really do believe that, you know, right now the Blues are playing a patient game. And you heard Drew Bannister say that the other day. You know, when we're patient, we're successful. Let's make them come 200 feet at us. Let's do that. Let's not crack first. And I think that's what they're doing against 
good teams. So even though they have an inferior roster, they're able to be successful because they're playing that style of game. I mean, just think what the Blues would do even with a better roster as they're able to grow this thing and evolve it over the next couple of years. But right now, with the roster they've got, with the style they want to play, they're beating good teams and they're, they're following the lead of uh, Drew Bannister here. And finally, Jr. speaking of uh, building up over the next couple of years, Jimmy Snuggerud, a blue by the end of the season? Yeah, I think there's a chance. I'm going to talk to him today. Uh, I need some advice from you guys. You guys uh, have built a career on asking questions. How do I ask Jimmy Snuggerud today? So are you going to sign with the Blues at the end of the year? Without actually asking the question. Because when, when you ask the question, uh, you know that he's going to shy away and, and give you the, uh, the canned answer. But uh, can you guys give me some advice on how to ask that question? What do you expect to be doing in late April, early May? <laughs> Has it crept into your mind, the idea of being NHL player in a couple of months? <laughs> I just jotted those down. So, uh, yeah, we'll take that approach and see what he says. But I think there's a good chance. He's proven just about everything at the college level and obviously the world junior level, too. And, and uh, wow, did Doug Armstrong roll out the red carpet the other day saying, hey, we're ready when you're ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, speaking of good questions, when we had Kyle Gibson, I I know you listen all the time. Did you hear Brooke asking him about uh, the the Cardinals having a a seasoned, experienced starting rotation? Oh, no, I missed it. What did he say? Uh, He he just said, oh, thanks for saying that. Yeah, we're old. (laughs) Look, veteran and very experienced. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with experience. (laughs) That's great. No, yeah, I listen all the time. I I missed that one interview, so uh, you caught me there. But uh no, we'll have this interview with Snuggerud, and then uh, we'll uh, put that article up at The Athletic soon and then uh, get back to you guys next week on how your advice on the question went. Sounds great. Thanks, JR. Have a great weekend. All right. Thanks, guys. See you. That's you our, too. That's our buddy Jeremy Rutherford. He's a Blues insider from The Athletic here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to give you our picks for the wild card weekend, super wild card weekend. And we've got a lot of the games here on 101 ESPN. Picks next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Super wild card weekend in the NFL. We've got a triple header for you on Sunday. Bills and Steelers at noon. Cowboys and Packers at 3.30. And then the Sunday night game, the Lions against the Rams. And we're going to give you our picks for all of them tomorrow. 3.30, Browns at Texans. Seems like every time the Texans are in the playoffs, they play the first game on Saturday. I don't know why that is. Uh, the Texans are a two-and-a-half point or a two-point underdog to the Browns. I'm picking the Houston Texans in this game. I, I really am impressed. Really? I am too. And they're an underdog, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, so we'll see. Home mm-hmm. underdog. So why is that? You're not bought in on the Joe Flacco and Browns defense experience? I am not. And in the second half of the season, for as great as Miles Garrett was in the first half of the season, he wasn't as great in the second half. And don't forget Laramie Tunsil's over there on the left side for Houston. Uh, and the, the big thing about Houston, for me, is that they have... Found a running game. Yes. Uh, Devin Singletary is, he had 898 yards, most of those in the last seven or eight games of the season. They've they've found a running game, and they're playing defense, too. As a matter of fact, in the second half, Will Anderson, when healthy, was as effective at rushing the passer as Miles Garrett was. Mm -hmm. And then also look at the receivers. I was really Mm -hmm. worried about Houston after Tank Dell went down. You guys remember Mm -hmm. that entry? And Nico Collins has really just emerged as a true wide receiver, a true number one wide receiver for them. By the way, I got a couple interesting notes. You ready? Ready. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
since the playoffs expanded the playoff field in 2020, no number seven seed has ever won a game. They're 0-6. That's amazing. So that's not great news for the Steelers or the Pack, but mm. both have a QB that's never started a playoff game. Now, if you go back to 0-2, QBs that are making their first complete our first career playoff start in the wild card round, 15 and 39. Hmm. I'm a little concerned about CJ Stroud. So that's why mm-hmm. I brought that up. But I am going with the home team, even though they are an underdog. But I think it'll be interesting to see how a young QB responds in that situation. Well, and if this is the season, too, for something different to happen or to break or shatter some records there of what has happened before, it feels like this is the NFL season for it. This has been such a just strange, weird, and at times bad season where it feels like it could set the stage for some things to happen. So doesn't it feel like all the, AFC team, or all the AFC games could go one way or the yeah, other? It really yes, does. it Who really picking, does. Brooke? Uh, I I don't know, guys. I'm actually a big fan of C.J. Stroud, but I'm kind of bought in on this whole Joe Flacco experience right now. So I'm going to go with the Browns. And the Browns defense, obviously, has been a huge part of their success this season. Okay. Minus one degrees at kickoff in Kansas City for the Chiefs and Dolphins. The Dolphins are coming up from Miami, and this will play a role. Now, Tua and Tyreek have both played in cooler weather in the past. Of course, the Dolphins played in cold weather in Buffalo last year in a playoff game. Didn't have Tua. But this just feels to me like Kansas City's experience at home, being in the cold weather, I, I just get the feeling that as bad as that Kansas City offense has been of late, that they're going to be able to come away with a victory. I'm going with the Chiefs as well. I think that, one, you have weather as a factor, and two, once again, talking about a team with a great defense, the Chiefs' defense de- deserves a lot of credit mm-hmm. this season, and you hope that eventually things will get figured out. It's been so weird and bad just to watch everything that's happened with Patrick Mahomes and the fact that they haven't been able to really get things together offensively, but you hope that that changes. And Tyreek Hill, what is his status right now with the Dolphins? He'll he's, play. Yeah, he's going to play, but he'll probably be limited. And by the way, the two starting outside linebackers for the Miami Dolphins weren't on their roster last week, Bruce Irvin and Justin Houston. So that's going to be a problem to you. Literally got two guys off the couch to start playoff a playoff game. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned about the Dolphins on the road because of the weather, but also because of their defense. 27th in points allowed overall on the road. They're allowing 29 per game. The flip side of that, though, is like you said, Brooke, can the Chiefs and their offense get going 19 or fewer points in four of their last six? So yeah. it's kind of a lesser of two evils with those. By the way, if you're wondering about the coldest NFL games on record, mm-hmm. I bet Randy remembers these or has studied them, but minus 13, Lambeau Field, NFL championship game. That was the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. A.K.A. the Ice Ice Bowl. Bowl. (laughs) You had uh, minus 59 wind chill in 1982. That's right, Cincinnati. It was the same temperature here in St. Louis that day. It was the Bengals and the Chargers. Yeah, there was steam coming off the Ohio River. In, uh, let's see, 2016. You guys may remember this, but Tom Coughlin's face almost fell off. This was no, oh, no, that was after that. You're getting close, but that was seven uh, was when Coughlin's face fell off. Yeah, that was in uh, Green Bay. Okay, and 2016. Then, what was that game? Uh, 2016 was Seattle and Minnesota, not Green Bay. Excuse me, that was in Minneapolis. That was in hmm. minus 25 oh, windshield. I'm, yeah, oh, and that's when that uh, the Walsh kid missed the field goal at the exactly. end. Exactly. Right. Yes, and then uh, 23 below windshield was 2008. Yeah, 2007 season uh, when the Giants saved the world. 
That was the Giants and the Pack in OT. In OT, right. Cold. I'm just thinking about the fans. The fans at Arrowhead this weekend. What are you doing there? Oh, they're hearty. They drink a lot. (sighs) But then you just don't have enough of, I mean, you just have to put on a lot of layers. Like (laughs) They're used to it, though. Not quite to this level, but they're used to it. And you got to bring your cardboard, if you guys have been hearing about this one, because there's obviously huge chunks of Arrowhead that under your feet is concrete. And apparently... Concrete gets super cold. Apparently, you put cardboard under your feet because it in- gives you a layer of insulation between your shoe and the ground, and apparently that helps you keep some heat. All right, let's quickly get to the three games on Sunday. Steelers and Bills, 22 degrees. The weather won't be horrible. A little snow over the weekend in Buffalo, but it won't be enough to affect these two teams. Buffalo has Josh Allen, and they're a 10-point favorite. The Steelers have Mason Rudolph, and they don't have T.J. Watt. Mm, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Bills on this one. I am, too. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of an easy-peasy one. So the Bills have won five straight. Steelers, well, they've won two, but as you mentioned, Randy, without T.J. Watt, with a defense that, for whatever reason, this year with Pittsburgh hasn't been great, so I'm going with the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. I have one upset pick this weekend. Okay. And this one is at Dallas, where the Packers are hot, and Jordan Love and his young crew, youngest NFL playoff team since the advent of the 16-game schedule in 1978, Packers at Cowboys, Cowboys favored by seven. I think that's why the Packers lose, because of the young roster. So I'm going with Dallas, and Dallas at home seems to be unbeatable this year. Randy, why would you doubt the Cowboys. I mean, it's not like we haven't seen them somehow They're get so kicked good out. In the playoffs, yeah, Brooke. I know. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah. I'm with you though. I'm really excited about Jordan Love and this young Packers team. I'm I'm going to go with them. Just All because right. also the Cowboys playoff history as I was saying there. And finally, the St. Louis Lions at home are a three-point favorite <laughs> over the Los Angeles Rams, Jack Fox, Jamison Williams. We probably will not see Sam Laporta. Those are the three mm-hmm. area kids that play for the Lions. But they are a three-point favorite. I don't know if the game... Uh, I, I, I would not pick Detroit to cover that. No. And I have really enjoyed watching the Lions this season. They have been one of my favorite teams to watch because of also the young core that they have that has been doing really well. Laporta being a part of that. I'm interested to see what they look like with his injury. But you have Jameer Gibbs. He has been a huge highlight for them as well. I, I will have to go with the Rams on this one. And also you have Kyron Williams on the other side. Viani product, as yes. you mentioned yesterday, Dan. Yep. Good kid. Love him. I love the matchup with Matthew Stafford, who, mm-hmm. I, in my opinion, is a Hall of Famer, going against Jared Goff, uh, Goff. And so to see those two back against their respective teams that they used to play for, it just adds to the, the drama of what is the NFL playoffs. I love that. Oh, I love it. So who do you got? Oh, I forgot that part. Mm-hmm. Detroit. There you go. I like Detroit at home. And did we do Philly and Tampa Bay? We'll do that on Monday. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah. That, that was my big big game, too. Okay. We'll, we'll do that on Monday because that is a Monday night game, and we'll be here on Monday. Yeah. And, Dan, you were talking about the storylines. There's so many crazy storylines with this. You have Matthew Stafford returning, of course. And then if you look at everything, the Tyreek Hill drama with the Chiefs yeah. and all that, there's so many. Even though it's been a crazy season to still have these storylines play out in this way, this is what causes people to talk about the NFL script. Don't you guys love weather becoming a factor in games? Like when it's snowing mm-hmm. or sleeting, uh, it's very, very cold. I, I don't know. It just adds to the enjoyment for me of watching the game on a couch. Yeah, if you're watching on TV, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. if you're going, give me the dome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right That's about a, that. I, yeah, I like watching on TV and saying, man, why in the world? And you're <laughs> paying 200 plus right. For right. That, to go to that game and parking, <laughs> right. all that stuff. 
That's a, no, those are true, true fans. Not worth it. <laughs> uh, that is our picks for the NFL weekend, NFL Super Wild Card weekend. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with rock and roll, and we've got some Billy Joel Sting tickets to give to you next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Hey, we've got your chance to win uh, Billy Joel and Sting tickets. They're in St. Louis at Bush Stadium September 27th. You can find all the ticket details and a bonus chance to register to win at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app. But all you need to do right now is send us a text and answer a question. Tickets go on sale today in about, oh, 11 minutes. Uh, and, and all you need to do is just look at cardinals.com and find the way to buy your tickets. But you can win free tickets right now by texting the Air Comfort Service text line at 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO! You know what we should do? Because JR did get you to do the YOHO, Dan. Yo-ho. We need to clip that and then play, it, play it with it. us. Right, there you go. It's like it's happening. I think we're good, really. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought I would give it a shot. Yeah, worth a shot. Yeah. So, Matthew, what do we got to, uh, in terms of a question for this uh, this Billy Joel Sting trying pair to, of tickets? Trying to, still trying to decide if I want to be mean to Danny Mac and pull that and then just every nah. once in a while. So I do that to, ah, you got to do what I you got to do. I did that to carry with the, with the ZOU thing with Dennis Gates, and that was pretty mean. That was fun. All right, we're, we, we're going to do a little trivia here because that's my favorite way to give away tickets on this show. And so my okay. trivia question is going to be for you guys. We're going to go to the, the police side for, for Sting, not the solo side. The police side for Sting, which is they put up to, they put up one number one single in America in their entire run. The mm-hmm. police did. What song was it? Okay. That's, and what texture number? I'm going to go with texture number 24. Okay. This one is a little bit easier than the Billy Joel one. It's got to be it, right? I don't know. That's, I'm not giving away the answer. I'm not going to try. <laughs> okay. We tried yesterday, though. We yeah, went through a bunch of songs. We did. and finally got my it. answers. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's we fun to play along, along, Matthew. Though, right? yeah. <laughs> um, well, I was listening last night on SportsCenter when Reese Davis talked to Nick Saban uh, about the the retirement that's, that shocked everyone. And, and the, this was probably the biggest takeaway for me from the whole interview. This was Nick Saban when asked by Reese Davis about the timing of the announcement. Well, I don't think there's any good time, especially when you're a coach. Because once you're a coach, you think you're going to be a coach forever. But I actually thought that uh, in hiring coaches, uh, recruiting players, uh, that my age started to become a little bit of an issue. People wanted uh, assurances that I would be here for three years, five years, whatever. And it got harder and harder for me to be honest about. And to be honest, this last season uh, was grueling. Uh, It was a real grind uh, for us to come from where we started to where we got to uh, took a little little more out of me than usual and you know when people mentioned the health issue it was really just the grind of can you do this the way you want to do it so there's no there's no illness it's just the grind and the gruel of the season yeah, there's no illness miss terry's fine i'm fine um, but it was the can you sustain the season you know from just a, a mental grind standpoint and those coaches that are into it are into the office by four in the morning and out of the office at 10 or 11 at night. Every day, 365. Yes. Yeah, at the, at the age of 
7172. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to do. It is. And I'm sure a lot of people think, well, oh, well, Alabama, they have so many resources. They do. But there's still so much in the aspect of recruiting that Nick Saban does have to be a part of. You saw him all the time where he was having to travel. Mm-hmm. And when it came to recruiting and getting some of the top guys that you want to get, because that's the expectation is if you want a five star, even a four star, you want Nick Saban coming to your house, convincing you why you should join his program. One of the things that Coach Venturi told me about when he went visited down there is that after every practice they would have grad uh, not grad assistants but interns provide Saban with a one sheet bio of a recruit and this is pre Zoom what mm-hmm. was the, the video conferencing before Zoom do you guys remember uh, Skype yeah Skype oh yeah and yeah. so they would set up like four consecutive Skype interviews he'd get a one sheeter parents names what school coach brothers and sisters and go in and do a Skype interview Hey, how are your parents, Sylvia and Joe, doing? Oh, good. So here's a 17-year-old kid who's Nick Saban knows his parents' names and his siblings' names and how he's doing. And Oh, hey, I, I saw you played a little bit of outside linebacker last week. How'd that go for you? Yeah. So this kid thinks that Nick Saban knows everything about him, and it was just a brilliant way to recruit. As an aside, when uh, apparently, this is a, a story that I was told, and I don't think it's wrong, when Mal Moore, who was an assistant coach here in St. Louis for Gene Stallings, uh, was the athletic director that hired Stallings at Alabama. They're flying from Miami to Tuscaloosa for the introductory press conference. And obviously, Mal Moore had given Saban this massive contract. And Saban says, Mal, you think you hired the best coach in America? And Moore said, well, I'm paying him the most. I better have. <laughs> he said, well, you probably didn't, but you got the best recruiter. That's what it's all about, too. Yeah, I, I would say, too, he'd walk in to meet with a kid, and he'd say, by the way, we have 49 first-rounders that we've yeah. produced, and we think that you could be every bit as good as some of these kids. Why don't you come on to Alabama? Yeah. And that would make a kid go. I, when yep. you produce it like that, why wouldn't you? And, and developing them. That's the yeah, other that's right. aspect of it. And then about 08, 09, Danny, you mentioned it yesterday. I think maybe the, the best stat, I'm sure, I can't imagine how often he weaponized this, which is if you come to play for me, you will have a chance to win a national championship. Yeah. And he could say that 100% factual because every player did. Isn't it amazing, though? Think about this. As great as Alabama was, and they played in the Final Four this year, their recruiting has fallen off dramatically. When you look at the number of running backs and receivers. And I thought they had the number two class this year, but it's dropping now because these kids are leaving. Well, but look at how much more, how many more good players Georgia, for example, yeah. has than Alabama, right? The, the, the Philadelphia Eagles defense is the Philadelphia Bulldogs. Right. And they're the ones that come up. When's the last time, uh, granted, he had Tua. He, he's put people in the NFL. But he ha- how did Jalen Milrow start a whole season for Alabama? And well, the, the strides that he made were unbelievable were too. Now he did have the number one in though, and he's great there. He did have the number one pick last year with the kid that went to Carolina, mm-hmm. so you did have him. But I, I'm with you. I, I've always just been enamored with how has he gone into a room, and we're we're laying down some of the things. And Randy, your story is awesome, and it it makes so much sense. So my brother, for instance, was a Division one player, and we would see. And he was a big time recruit, mm-hmm. and we'd see these these coaches come mm-hmm. in, and they'd know things about him and our family. I'm like, 
did you know he knew that stuff? He's like, I don't know how he knew that stuff, but they'd find ways to do yeah, it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's yeah. unbelievable. Because that's what you have to do in the recruiting journey. Does this also kind of change to another aspect? We've talked about Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll, too. Does this change the conversation, too, with Bill Belichick, where it's like, okay, you have kind of these 70-year-old coaches being ushered out, but now he's looking for a job. Does that cause some panic when he's looking for a job, too, of that people are kind of pushing guys coaching-wise in that age range out? What is it now? Six openings? Eight in the NFL? Are there eight now? Yeah. Well, let's see, because New England was, yeah, I thought th- that would be seven. Three before the season, Seattle, New England, Washington, Atlanta. Titans. Titans. So plus Carolina, uh, Raiders, Chargers. Yeah, okay. So quarter of the league. He, I would say he wouldn't have resigned or had this mutual parting of the ways unless he felt that in 100% security that he's going to have a job next yeah. year. Mm-hmm. And why wouldn't you? I mean, come on, look at his resume. He's going to have a job yeah. as a head coach. Yeah. Right. And you know what would be cool about Washington is that uh, Vince Lombardi ended his career with the Redskins. Uh, sadly, passed away of cancer at the age of 57. But you could arguably have, at least from a perception standpoint, the two best ever in Washington. Yeah, could happen. Uh, well, I guess Don Shula didn't end his career in Washington, did he? So uh, two, of, two of the three best. Yep. There you go. Great job today by our producer, audio video engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. By the way, uh, Danny Mac was right. Uh, the other, only other guest we're, guess, we're getting, by the way, is Roxanne. Roxanne did not chart when it was originally released in any country. When it was re-released, it only hit number 32 in America. Really? really? Yeah. Roxanne that's, was not. And not that's the, what I thought it was. Not the big hit. It was Every Breath You Take by a long shot. Yeah. Really not any other ones that got close. Okay. Wow. Thanks, Stinger. Uh, <laughs> good job. You know I'm on a first name basis. You yeah. just go Stinger. Stinger. Hey, how you doing, Stinger? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun today? Yes, of course. I'm glad. <laughs> well, you were waiting George for Faye. the sounder. George I think you yeah, were waiting, waiting for the sounder. Yeah. Not, I, yeah. Went no, I went no sounder. I went no sounder. Danny Mac, great first week. Did you enjoy it or did I, you hate it? No, I loved it. Okay. I loved it. What'd you like best? <laughs> uh, being with you guys. Thanks. Aww. We love being with you, too. I mean, I'd say... What'd you like least? Yo-ho? Yo-ho. No, Yoho's fine. <laughs> it's just my way of having did fun you, with you guys. Did you the OJ jokes? <laughs> I <laughs> actually, so here's the deal. When you start going down that road, mm-hmm. I actually enjoy it, which I shouldn't. <laughs> but it makes me uncomfortable when I'm on the air. <laughs> That's fair. I get it. You know, yeah. uh, our, our Privately, I'm laughing <laughs> yeah. on the inside. We'll, uh, we'll take you behind the curtain here. Our general manager came in, walked in the other day after we did the segment where I don't know how Naked Gun came up, but I said, nice beaver. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And uh, John Kioski came in and uh, said something to the effect of... that we were in trouble or something, but we weren't really. I, I had the same kidding. conversation with him down in the hall. Uh, <laughs> Chad Johnson, TJ Hushbenzada played at Oregon State. Oh, that's it. Yeah, nice uh, Oregon State Beavers. There you go. Yeah, that's how it came. That was there you it. go. Yeah. <laughs> so my first week may have just ended with my no! last week. <laughs> please come back, please. No, it's been fun. T Mac and Ajax coming up with a little balloon party. Then BK and Ferrario with you from eleven to two, and then the fast lane from two to six, and then tonight. Uh, we will actually tomorrow night. We've got blues hockey for you. We've got a triple header of football, NFL football on Saturday, Sunday as well here on 101 ESPN. For all of, for all of us, we thank you for tuning in. I can't talk today. We thank you for tuning <laughs> in, texting in. Uh, the, the 10 o'clock hour on Monday is just going to be pure hell for you, Matthew, because <laughs> we're, we're in for McKernan. Irving McKernan. Yeah, he's in for us today. Uh, for all of us until <laughs> Monday morning at 7, have a great weekend, St. Louis. And now for something completely different. 
You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.